Good afternoon, and welcome to Wanda's Picks, a black arts and cultural program of the African Sisters Media Network, and that is Amina Abraham, Burton's Amina, and we want to wish you a happy Malcolm X birthday weekend. He would have been 94 this Sunday, and also poor libations for Yuri Koshiyama, also born May 19th, and Lorraine Hansberry, and some other great folks. Um, and I also want to pour libations for Kilu Nyasha, who um, I don't know, brought it to my attention that uh, um, the, uh, trying to think who else was born on the 19th, um, Akochi Min was also born, um, you know, the uh, the leader of, of the independent um, Vietnam that this government did not appreciate. Um, yeah, so anyway, Ashe, Ashe, Ashe. We have a really, really, really full and special program planned for you. I was going to bring it to you yesterday, but I had some technical difficulties, so you'll notice some uneven sound quality. I was on speakerphone, and so it was uneven. And uh, we are going to be kicking off the show with a rebroadcast of an interview uh, with Jason Mendez, whose play Supremacy at the Exit Theater on Eddie is closing tomorrow. Um, the shows are, if I'm not mistaken, let me check because I want to make sure you don't miss it. Yeah, the shows are um, 8 o'clock. Yes, 8 o'clock. Um, and... Um, and I don't think it's sold out. It's 15680 Street. You can get there by taking BART. If you're in the East Bay, it's really easy. And um, yeah, just get off and walk. Um, yeah, you don't want to miss it tonight, tomorrow. And also, so that's a rebroadcast from May 1st. And then we are going to um, jump right into a really wonderful discussion with Alma Robinson. Alma Robinson, she's the executive director of California Lawyers for the Arts, and they actually have a um, uh, an awards uh, program tonight. And I'm gonna we mention it, and it's uh, 5:30 p.m. in Sacramento. It's called the Artistic License Awards, uh, Sierra Two Center for the Arts and Community, and it's honoring uh, quite a few um, folks, uh, supervisor. Phil Cerna, Royal Chicano Air Force, Daniel Yamshun Esquire, Buck uh, Busfield, and Dr. Sherry Meyer. So that's going to be really exciting. And you can go to uh, calawyersforthearts.org to find out about other things. But I just want to give you a heads up because that's happening this evening. And if you're in the Bay, you might have to start out a little earlier to get to Sacramento at 5.30. So if you do that, then go see Supremacy tomorrow because you don't want to miss it. And then another another play that's happening that you don't want to miss, just because it's so thought-provoking, um, the way that um, Nambi Kelly um, uh, interpreted Toni Morrison's novel, um, Jazz for Stage, and it's at the Marin um, Theater Company uh, in, in uh, Mill Valley, and it's through Sunday, and there are two performances on Saturday, and there's a performance tonight, Friday, and then it closes on Sunday. So you don't want to miss jazz 
with an original um, score by Marcus Shelby. So that's really exciting. We had an opportunity to speak with um, C. Kelly Wright and uh, and the playwright, uh, Nambi Kelly, um, on, on Wednesday, this past Wednesday. You can go listen to that. So that's exciting. And then, um, I think this is my last announcement. <laughs> oh, yeah, the Malcolm X Jazz Arts Festival is canceled because, you know, we're having all this rain. Yeah, so um, when I last heard it was canceled, I'm like, oh, my goodness, that's the first time that this has ever happened. We've been getting lots of rain, and uh, I guess uh, Mama Mama Earth knows what she knows what she needs, um, but that's kind of sad. Uh, there is uh, an event happening in Oakland uh, indoors that you might want to check out in it, you know, since you're going to have some time that you would have been at the Malcolm X Jazz Arts Festival. Let me tell you about that. Um, it's a um, closing event for closing week event. It's the uh, the Beach Gallery at Jack London Square pop-up. And uh, let me let you know some of the things that are happening. So May 18th, which is tomorrow, uh, the Oakland Dance Festival Abundance. Uh, the Museum of Moving Art with Carla S. Service Showcase is um, 3 to 5 and 7 to 9. And uh, the Beat Generation Exhibit Gallery is ja in Jacqueline Square is at 54 Washington Street at Water. And uh, it's being produced by Alistair Monroe, um, Arthur Monroe's son. And then on the 19th, which is Sunday, Josh Jones and the La Pena Orchestra Big Band is performing from 2 to 5. That should be hot. And then um, the Ashley Flea Market and La Pena Culture Center benefit is on the 25th, which is next week. And then the Oakland Cannery Collective fundraising and closing celebration with performance by Jacques, Ebola, and more from 1 to 5 on May 26th. That's next Sunday. So I want to give you a heads up on that. Okay. And lastly but not least for sure, is I wanted to let you know about the Quest for Democracy, which is a really wonderful lobby day that happens once a year and is hosted by All of Us and None uh, and Legal Services for Prisoners with Children. And um, it takes place in Sacramento. And there are buses actually um, leaving from from the Bay Area uh, free. And so let me let you know sort of where a couple of those stops are. I don't know the stops in San Francisco. I only know the stops in Oakland. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm in the East Bay. So those are the ones I know about. But you can get in touch with uh, LSTC. Go on the website for Legal Services for Prisoners with Children and uh, and you can um, call them and ask them where the, where the uh, buses are going, leaving from San Francisco. But there's going to be a bus leaving from Fruitvale BART Station at 7.20 a.m. on Monday, the 20th, and you need to be there no later than 7 a.m. if you're going to leave. And if you're going to leave from West Oakland BART, you need to be there at the West Oakland BART Station by 7.10 in the morning. And you need to look for people wearing the All of Us or None T-shirts. And, um, yeah, I, I've, I've carpooled from both places. Uh, from the Fruitvale Bar Station, there was a big bus there, really nice, and lunches provided. And and then uh, when I, I carpooled from West Oakland too, uh, on another, in another year, and it's really really wonderful. 
you know, going out and, and lobbying uh, these legislators and, and their, their aides uh, on, on um, bills that we want passed. And some of these, these laws have actually been, and bills have been written by people that are connected to the organizations that are coordinating um, this um, quest for democracy. And I'm speaking of, you know, the policy fellows at Legal Services for Prisoners with Children and All of Us or None. Um, yeah, yeah. So anyway, just want to give you those that heads up. And so we're going to jump right into this interview with uh, Jason Mendez, followed by an interview with Alma Robinson, which is lengthy, but it's really par- full of all great, great information. And then that's going to be followed by a conversation with um, um, Jasmine Milan Williams, who um, who who is a part of one of the uh, performance companies that are participating in the San Francisco International Arts Festival 2019. Uh, and the performance piece that she's a part of uh, is called Us and the U.S. And it's uh, and it's a group that came out of Cal State East Bay. So everyone who is in the work um, is a student or is an alumnus of Cal State East Bay, and it's, it's going to be really, really awesome. So she talks about that. And I also interviewed Andrea Woods, who is the executive director of San Francisco International Arts Festival. So we might conclude with that conversation, um, depending on what time it is when we get through everything else. Because <laughs> I haven't timed it. I was just talking to a lot of folks. And then I had a great conversation with Abdul Kenyatta, uh, who um, is also a San Francisco International Arts Festival 2019 artist. Oh, by the way, Us in the U.S. is being uh, performed uh, May 24th at 7 and May 26th at 6.30, and all of the performances take place at Fort Mason Center. They are actually um, uh, a collaborating uh, institution now, so everything happens there, which which makes it easier to get to everything um, because in the past um, a lot of the programming has was happening at Fort Mason Center but um, Fort Mason Center was not a partner. It's always great to have a partner with real estate. Um, and then back to um, Abdul Kenyatta, he is hosting the Speakeasy Storyteller Series, and that's going to be on May 31st at 9 p.m. Um, so anyway, and if you want to get more information, you can visit um, uh, sfiaf.org, uh, San Francisco International Arts Festival. Um, .org. Let me make sure that I have that right. Uh, yeah, that's right. Okay, so thank you so much for uh, hanging in there with my announcements. <laughs> Hope to see you in the theater or somewhere else where art is happening because, you know, where the artists are, you know, that's where the truth lies. Thank you so much. Yeah, yeah, I'm like, oh, man, I wish I wish I had an opportunity to read some of your your graphic novels. You're just like so busy. And is this your first um, is this your first play um, presently that you know is going up supremacy at uh, Ex- Exit Theater um, May third, which is uh, two days from now. <laughs> it's going through May 18th, which is the day before Malcolm X's birthday, which is kind of perfect, right? You're talking about supremacy, and like, oh wow. Cool. Very much so, very <laughs> much so. Uh, yeah, it, it's going to be my uh, first full-length uh, production. 
Uh, okay. I've had some readings uh, staged at the IZ, and then I've I've had uh, a short uh, piece that was involved in the short-lived festival at Piano Fight. So yeah, this is oh. this is the first full-length production that that I'm doing. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm gonna I'll read your bio in a little bit, but uh, I'm gonna talk a little bit about 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 this work because you know it's it's taken from you know sort of looking at you know, the Greek gods, um, and and I'm thinking maybe I saw it at the 2017 San Francisco Olympian Festival. Um, was that the um, the same one that Joplin um, Richards had a piece in? Uh, I, it, it may be. That, that sounds about right. <laughs> it's, okay. It's been, yeah. I, I've been in. It's been been a, a few years since we did the the staged reading uh, on this, so a, a lot has uh, a few <laughs> things have changed since then. I don't want to give too much away, but there has been some changes to it, and yeah. Okay, so so tell us about the story, and I just like wow, and tell us about the title. <laughs> it just really grabs you, you know, like okay, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I really like that. Um, you know that you are, um, you know, you're looking at Horus or Heru, um, you know, the uh, Egyptian mm-hmm. or the uh, Kemetic, you know, god of the sky, and and Heru is like awesome. Oh my gosh, uh, Horus Heru. <laughs> uh, if you're looking at, <laughs> yeah. So talk, tell us the story. What's the story about? Um, uh, and uh, and how did it come to you? Well, you know. Um, the story really came about uh, because I, I personally was just really moved and, and really, really bothered, as I'm sure a, a lot of people were, with all of the, all of the videos and all of the images that were that we had been inundated with of uh, officer shootings, uh, particularly of uh, young African American males and and women as well and um i i really was i was looking for a way to try and channel the emotions that i was feeling into something that was positive and be able to have a positive conversation around uh those incidents and what mm-hmm. i was finding was what i was finding was that it was really hard to have those conversations because the the people that I were, was talking to, they didn't, like, we didn't, couldn't agree on just the value of a person's life. Never mind, you know, whether, mm. you know, whether, you know, uh, whether the victim deserved to die, whether they, uh, whether they committed, you know, perceivably a crime or not, whether they made a mistake, whether they didn't follow orders, all these, you know, peripheral uh, um, excuses or, or, or uh, ideas, we could not con- like agree on, you know, whether that person's life was valuable, whether life is valuable enough that mm-hmm. our first instinct should not be to kill someone. So I, I was looking to really try and and stir the conversation, steer it back to the idea that look, life period is valuable, and. Um, I wondered what what would it be like if any one of those officers could have a conversation with uh, their victim, 
and away from the media, away from cameras, away from the rhetoric, just the officer and that victim and what, what would happen in that conversation. And, and the story kind of started to, to come out of that. Uh, I made a proposal for the Olympians festival and uh, uh, Stuart uh, Bussell was gracious enough to uh, look me in there and say, go ahead and do that. And um, it seemed like Horace Heru kind of seemed like the perfect uh, deity to be able to, to merge with that story and kind of dive in and delve into the modern experience of, um, of a black American. Mm-hmm. Huh. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So, so tell us a little bit about, about Horace Heru. Um, for those that don't know, don't know the deity. Tell us uh, a little bit about about his story. Well, Horace is uh, the the falcon god, the god of the sky. Um, he has a very interesting family, and uh, his uh, father was actually uh, murdered by his uncle, which is Set, and um, after. After his father is murdered and dismembered, his mother tries, seeks, uh, goes on a mission to basically uh, join all of the parts of his father back together in order to conceive uh, a son, which she then hides uh, as an infant um, until he is of age to be able to challenge his uncle for the throne, essentially. And from that moment on, Set and Horus kind of become these, you know, these ultimate arch rivals in this constant battle back and forth. And um, don't want to give too much away because a lot of that plays into the, this particular story as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, his, um, uh, his mother... Um is um often uh compared to um um to uh to Mary. The the whole story is often seen as as the original uh tr- um uh virgin mother and mm-hmm. um and God, you know, giving birth to, to a God child um in mm-hmm. the absence mm-hmm. of a man. Um uh you know sort of so we see um um, I'm trying to think of the other name, um, uh, the comedic name for his mother. Um, but I can't think right at the moment. I'm like drawing a complete blank. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I. Um, yeah. That's right. There. I mean, there, I know the are... other. I know the other name is Isis, but that's not the one I'm thinking. Of. I mean, I want the other name, not the Greek name, but the the um, the comedic name. Um, uh, yeah, because um, you know the father is is seen sort of as um, as like the uh, you know the god. So yeah, it's really interesting. And then and then you know having the reincarnation you know within that story is pretty pretty mm-hmm. interesting um, as well. Wow, oh, this is going to be so cool! Wow, this is going to be amazing. And I thought. I thought from what I was reading that um 
because I, I didn't read the play in advance. I thought there was um, uh, one of your characters is um, is adopted and 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 yes. he um, yeah. It, can you tell us a little bit about 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 that character? Because he seems is he like the protagonist besides you know the policeman that has the conversation. Um, you know, there's sort of be like this adopted black youth who has lived his entire young life on flying under the radar, adhering mm-hmm. to the rules of the talk. Like, what is the talk? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So what I what I wanted to do is I wanted to try and 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 uh, present kind of a a different perspective on on what it's like to be black in America and and. Um, there, the, our main character, his name is Connor. He is adopted, and he's adopted by uh, white parents, and that presented an opportunity to um, to really get into you know the notion of what it what is it like for white parents to try and raise a black youth, particularly in mm. today's society, and what are the things that they are suddenly you know, very uh, suddenly confronted with very immediately um, that they may or may not be used to having to deal with on a daily basis. Um, And one of those is very much how does the world look at your child? Because suddenly you become very aware of that in a way that you may not have been before. Um, And the, the talk is, uh, you know, I, I think something that many, uh, many black Americans may uh, identify with, which is that uh, the talk of how do you handle yourself if you happen to be around a police officer, a police officer stops you and your parents aren't around. It's, it's the thing that, you know, black parents have to tell and teach their, their young kids um, the rules. Uh, whether unstated or not, the rules that hopefully will keep them alive and help them survive uh, an officer um, an officer encounter. Um, and it's not really it, it is quite literally meant to just keep them alive. It's, it's not about uh, preserving innocence. It's not about um, you know it's not about uh, being right or being wrong. It is literally just about getting them past that moment so that they can fight that fight later. Uh, mm-hmm. And so I wanted to, I wanted to place uh, our lead into um, a family with white parents to find out what does that, what does that conversation look like there and in that context mm-hmm. and how, how do they begin to even have that conversation? And it, 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 mm-hmm. it opened up, um, it opened up a, a lot of, of, of different things. It opened up, uh, so very different perspectives, and we were very, very surprised and excited uh, where that took us um, uh, and where that took the characters and where that took the story. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, I remember now. Um, uh, we've got Asar, uh, who will be um, the father, Haru's father, and Aset, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, who is the wife, and... Um, and and then set um, you know is is the uncle who's jealous of Asar and dismembers him, um, and then you know the story goes, you know that she pulled together all these pieces, 
And and but the ultimate story is that love is the greater weapon. Uh, because mm-hmm. Heyru mm-hmm. is like really, really like he's upset. Like, dude, Very you killed so. my dad. Like, what? I grew yeah. up without a father. Like, I'm, you know, in your in your play, you know, I'm, I have foster parents. I mean, I have adopted parents. I'm not with my family. Like, I'm really mm-hmm. not with my family in the way you said it. <laughs> yeah. um, <laughs> so you know, so there's a lot of bitterness. I'm really looking forward to seeing how this plays out on stage with your 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 you know with the cast. But um, and so you know, so you see the shift, and I'm thinking you know, sort of um, historically with the character, you see the shift um, in the deity, you know, because there's also he has an aunt um, as well who is really close to his mother. And um, and uh, and these other advisors, you know, these, um, you know, what they call now OGs, but uh, <laughs> but you know, elders that that have sense, yeah. And and so they they say, you know, like you can't, because what happens in the in the uh, in the story, not your story necessarily, but the story of what happens in the battle is that um, when Heru or Horus allows himself to 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 feed on hate, it makes his opponent bigger and and, mm-hmm. and able to mm-hmm. do him but when he loves him he shrinks and mm-hmm. and so yeah and then the whole idea of vengeance and and uh and how forgiveness can come you don't have to not necessarily forgiveness but you you don't have to kill somebody you can let them go and still win the battle mm-hmm. which i think is pretty mm-hmm. cool too and I don't know how what you do with that either because I haven't heard the play and I haven't seen the play. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, I will say you're 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 going to have to come see it. I I will say oh, you I know am. Um, I am. I am. <laughs> this 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 play this cast um, it, it it's it's so phenomenal. Everyone that we have working on it from the cast mm. to all of our designers, the crew, everyone has kind of, has really jumped in and, um, and not just to do the job, but to really open themselves up and be empathetic and sensitive to the material and to each other and what's going on. And because of that, that has really, really elevated the material and really brought in uh, the, that sense of of empathy and that sense of of like competing emotions because that's that's what's happening. I think that's what we're really mm-hmm. we're really talking about and we're really fighting for. Like how how are we able to exist and get back to a place where we you know where we can sit in the same room as somebody we don't agree with, where we can see people as more than one mm-hmm. thing, where we can just we can allow these emotions of anger and hate and rage to coexist with love and empathy and just understand that, you know, as people, we experience both. And, mm-hmm. uh, and, and, and we don't need to wipe out one or the other. We just need to be able to understand that we experience them and then still make decisions that are not entirely based on them. And, mm-hmm. and I, I, I think that's, that's the conversation we're, we're, that we're trying to have on stage. And, you know, and then it's, it's also a bit of a, a superhero story because I'm really into comics. Mm-hmm. So, you know, how, yeah. do we, how do we do that on stage? And it's, it's, an, it's an experience. 
I think from from the moment <laughs> you walk in the theater, it's going to be an experience. Cool, cool, super. So, um, is it all ages? Uh, it it is. There there are a couple of of choice uh, words in the play. Um, mm-hmm. I say that uh, for the most part, it it is all ages. Um, I say for parents that are bringing young children, um, mm-hmm. it's at their discretion. You will have to have a conversation um, probably before or after about the material be- because of of what happens in it. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And um, and you. Um, Reading your bio fondly, uh, <laughs> you are a content creator making your debut as a writer uh, with this this piece, this work um, at the exit, and you know the power of voice, striving to challenge and complicate social narratives by making space for un and underrepresented uh, underrepresented experiences. Your written work ranges from commissioned readings for the San Francisco Olympics Olympians Festival to the graphic novels you that have you see graphic novels and you have previously worked with Netflix on the set of Thirteen Reasons Why and you hold a master's of fine arts degree in playwriting from San Francisco State University. So um tell us about um well the first question I had was um does this play in any way resonate with you personally? Um, because you say you know the power of voice, striving to challenge and complicate social narratives on making space for un and underrepresented experiences. Um, do you find the work, I mean, I'm thinking supremacy for sure is not a story that one sees often. <laughs> Has, I mean, I don't think I've ever <laughs> seen a story, uh, you know, like what we're talking about. So I'm thinking, oh, this is so exciting. I'm so happy that, you know, you have written this this. Um, work and 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 that is going up um this week so that's really exciting um but what brings you to to this kind of work and uh, and then i want you to you know let us know about this 13 reasons why and and why did you decide to go into playwriting <laughs> well um yeah you know i uh the work is something uh personal for me there are I definitely drew on some of my personal experiences for certain aspects and certain themes of of the play. Um, and then, you know, also, uh, like I said, it's, you know, the subject matter that we're talking about in the play and that in the conversation we're trying to have is also a very, a very personal um, conversation because, I, you know, I, I am an African American. I, you know, every time that I, um, that I get pulled over, or I get stopped, or I'm in the vicinity of an officer, I, I have that slight, you know, voice in the back of my head that that says, okay, you know, be on guard, um, you know, be careful, uh, watch, watch what you are doing, and watch what they're doing. You know, all these all these uh, rules come up um, because I I could easily be um, just like the next the next person that's on one of the videos that we've seen. 
Um, there's mm-hmm. been times in my life where I have been stopped when I, particularly when I was younger and I didn't, I didn't even realize how close I could have come to, to being a victim in that moment. Um, and so, yeah, you know, like those, those things hit, hit very close to home uh, for me. And, and the fact that, you know, life is, life is lost and, and there seems to be something that just doesn't sit well with me about that. Um, in any case, whether, you know, whether, and not just, you know, from police violence, but, you know, just violence in general in this country and how we talk about it, it just doesn't sit well with me. Um, mm-hmm. And so, yeah, you know, it's, it's personal. Um, but I'm, I, I really tried very hard to um, be objective about it and to be fair to all of the characters and all of the perspectives that we are presenting uh, in the play. And, and I think that we succeeded at that. Mm-hmm. So what was your, your master's thesis? Um, actually, my, my master's thesis uh, was, uh, it, it is basically what became the template for uh, the graphic novel that I am working on, which is oh. called uh, Artemis Rising. Um, in my master's oh. thesis, the original version was a, or is a, uh, a six-part epic uh, play. And it's meant, it's meant to be viewed in, in pieces. So, you know, one, one week you're viewing uh, part one, the next week you're viewing part two, and so on. Um, mm-hmm. So it's meant to be consumed in, in a way that's very, uh, you know, not dissimilar to watching uh, like something on HBO. Uh, so, yeah, and then I decided I, I, lo- I loved that story so much that I uh, took that and adapted it to a graphic novel. And maybe maybe one day we might, we might uh, see Artemis Rising on stage as well. I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> Mhm. Yeah. So, um um I don't wanna, Oh, what's your website so people can 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 get your your graphic novels? <laughs> <laughs> uh the website is Jason Mendez uh with the studios dot com. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then yeah, all of all of my information is there. Um yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah, when you were talking about um the um um you know, having a multiple um a, a multiple um storied uh play, you know, sort of seen in um you know, one per week, you know, across, you know, a month and a half. Um mm-hmm, mm-hmm. it sort of reminded me hmm say it again. Pardon me? I'm sorry, go ahead. I didn't hear what you said. You said something. Oh, I, no, I didn't. Go ahead. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, I was thinking about um, the director, not the director, but the playwright, um, uh, uh, Unfaniso uh, Udofia, Udofia, who has, um, she is, I think she's in number five of um, of her, her play about, about the Ufot family um an immigrant mm-hmm. family from uh from nigeria uh Ibu family and uh two of her her plays 
um, premiered in the Bay Area at the Magic Theater, uh, Run Boy Run, and um, and uh, what was the other one called? Run Boy Run and Sojourners. Was it Sojourners? Yes, Sojourners. And then um, the last one was at the Magic uh, in Old Age, and then there was another one at the um, um, at ACT, uh, and I don't know how to pronounce the name of it because it's in French. <laughs> um, and I was just thinking, like, wow, that would be so cool. You could do something really similar um, if you ever decide to to do that. That would be really cool. Um, yeah, and, and I was looking um, that you have a play. It was a few years ago, and it was called, uh, it, was, it was a stage reading called The White Listed. You have these great titles, The White Listed. Um, yes. Uh-huh. Yeah, that that looked really good. Did you ever did you ever mount that anywhere? I I did not. Um, what essentially what happened is I uh, after the reading of that, uh, I kind of really went into working on uh, the proto versions of, of supremacy. So, mm-hmm. um, so no, I I, I I didn't mount it anywhere. But I, I still would like to. I am now going back to it and kind of touching up and adding a little bit of, of commentary that I wanted to add to it. So um, I, I definitely want to do it, and I'm, I'm looking forward to doing that uh, mm. in conjunction with uh, – there, there's a few other projects that I have been commissioned to work on, and so I'll be doing mm-hmm. that as well. And, you know, I'm hoping, you know, if, if supremacy does as well as I'm hoping it, I, that it does, there may or may not be uh, a, a sequel or something else that happens in, in the same universe because it's just, this is a comic book after all. <laughs> yeah, and we got superheroes, so yeah, totally. <laughs> yeah, what I just find the premise of um, of the whitelisted um you know, in, in 2016, five years before she was born, Aurora's father mm-hmm. helped an African-American scientist develop a cure for racism. It destroyed destroy the American society. <laughs> like, wow, yeah. this is pretty interesting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and yeah. So. Yeah, I had, I had a really <laughs> good time uh, writing that and, and presenting it. It, it definitely... Uh, at the reading, I think it, it challenged, um, definitely challenged a lot about how we think about racism and 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 what that even just like what that word means and what language means and you know kind of also the the way that um, the way that things tend to uh, work in America and particularly uh, in terms of like pharmaceuticals and you know how. As soon as you invent something, then uh, it's, it's either banned or outlawed, and if, it, if that can't be done, then, then it becomes uh, monetized. <laughs> mm-hmm. Right, right, yeah. Well, definitely, um, you know, keep me posted on, on your work because, um, yeah, you, um, you've done some really wonderful work. And, uh, and I couldn't Thank find you. your, you. your website, so tell me again what's your website because um, I've been putting your name in as we've been talking, trying to, like, find you and I'm like it's not working um, so tell me again sure. um, is, is your name yeah so it's Jason Mendez Studios mm-hmm. 
Oh, song. studios, that's the part I'm missing. Okay. <laughs> yeah, because that's really weird that it wouldn't come up when I just put your name in. Like, why doesn't it know you? Um, it could send me to your studios, right? <laughs> yeah. 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 Wow. I'm, I'm not. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Okay. Cool. Super. Alrighty. So, um, the last question. Um, so, what brings mm-hmm. you to to this work? Uh, actually, I mean, life. You know, I, I, it's kind of. I kind of feel that. I kind of feel that. Uh, the work find, found me. You know, mm-hmm. um, it, it, it's a story that wanted to be told. I think even even writing in general and playwriting, I'm I'm very much I've always been a fan of performance art, and mm. um, you know I I I believe in, in uh, adding new voices and adding new experiences to the discourse, and I I think um, anyone who has the ability and the potential to make space for uh, those those narratives to be seen and read and heard, and we should make the space uh, for that because if we don't, no one else is going to to make that space. And so, yeah, you know, I I I believe I feel like I have a duty to to do that to present that, and you know, stories. I love stories. I love telling them. I love hearing them. And um, I think you know the stories that that are just begging to be to be presented are the ones that I tend to also gravitate towards. And yeah, I just I know what it means to have an oral an oral history and to have a a, a something that that speaks to you and that resonates with you and something that um, that you can say, yeah, I, I understand that particular experience. Um, mm-hmm. And I think we we need more of that. Mhm. Yeah. Certainly. Certainly. Um, and what's your ancestry? You have a um, a Latin surname. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so I I actually uh, my ancestry is actually I'm uh, African American and then um, I'm also a bit of Irish uh, actually and. Uh, the surname uh, actually is my uh, wife's uh, family name. When I got married, I actually picked her name. Oh, that's heck cool. Really? <laughs> yes. Oh, I, I, I've heard of that happening, but it's been so few and far between. I think you're like the second person I've ever heard do that. <laughs> oh, okay. Okay. Nice, nice, nice. Oh, that's great. So I guess you call yourself a feminist, huh? Um, you know, I, I, sure. I, I mean, I, I do. Or womanist, um, if uh, you but, like, if you like the way Alice Walker uh, defines it, I, I actually like womanist <laughs> better, um, because feminist often involves like not liking men, but womanist encompasses, you know, loving men, but also wanting to further the agenda of of equality and justice for everyone. Yeah, that's yeah. That's but better. anyway. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, it's also okay. you know, I I, I also like I, I have to have the caveat right because I know that this it's always a it's always a thing when when people realize that that's how that happened they're like oh, and it's like yes I I do 
Um, I, I'm very much for equality. Uh, however, that decision was just, it was really a personal decision that worked for myself and my wife and, and our family. It, it wasn't, it wasn't, you know, to make any kind of statement, although like it may, but that, that was not the, the main reason. And that wasn't the goal. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Oh, cool. Cool. Well, congratulations again on supremacy and, um, yeah, looking forward to other conversations. This was really lovely. Thank you so much, Jason. Well, thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. All right. You take good care. Look forward to seeing you in the theater. <laughs> thank you. You as well. <laughs> All right. Peace and blessings. Bye-bye. Bye. Good morning, Lisa. How are I, you? Good morning, Wanda. <laughs> um, yeah, that um, was part of the um, the that was left over. I didn't cut it accidentally. But anyway, I forgot to um, let folks know about Gritty City Repertory Youth Theater's Taming of the Shrew, open last night, May sixteenth. It continues through the twenty fifth at the Flight Deck. Um, the play is by William Shakespeare. It's directed by Lindsay. Uh, Crumbian and the young people, oh my gosh, they are so awesome. And it's um it's actually set in, in New York, um, but the music is so awesome, um, because the family is is a Nigerian American family. Um, you know, Kate is um the older daughter who um is quote the shrew. Um <laughs> that they uh want to um marry off so that um the younger daughter Bianca can can marry the person that she loves um is uh is a Nigerian family and um and and I I had noticed before that there's no there's no mother there's there's the dad but there's no no mother but they are they are simply awesome and uh really encourage everyone to try to get to see it and they have some student or uh, school matinees, and you can get in touch with um, the theater um, director, uh, again, Gritty City Rep, Gritty, G-R-I-T-T-Y, City, C-I-T-Y, and the rep, R-E-P dot O-R-G. And the phone number at the flight deck, which is at 15540 Broadway, is 575-510-575-9427 and it's really awesome and I had an interview with um, with the director um, and founder of Gritty City uh, Youth Theater uh, Lindsay on May 5th May 1st sorry <laughs> and I also interviewed uh, Naja Waterman who plays Lucencia and she is really awesome in that role she's phenomenal so it was really great being able to um to meet her last night and uh again um the soundtrack is awesome the choreography is really really wonderful they do the tango and the videography oh my goodness we are in New York New York for sure i think we're in Harlem but it's really 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 cool so anyway, wanted to give you a heads up on that. So here is Alma Robinson, uh, Executive Director of California Lawyers for the Arts. Okay, you like this better? 
Uh, yeah, this one, this is clear. Mm-hmm. Okay, all right. Okay, good. All righty, super. Yeah, so I was just saying that it's um it's really awesome that, you know, we are finally um having um this conversation because, you know, I see you everywhere. Um, you know, um I see you at San Quentin, um, I see you at, you know, all of the um arts programs where we're looking at people that are affected by the um or justice system impacted or mm-hmm. you know, sort of connected to the carceral system. Uh, you know, with a big smile and your hat, <laughs> and and yeah, and and usually when when we look at the program, there's some funding from California lawyers for the arts, and um, yeah, it's just really wonderful. And so, I really, really appreciate um, your short bio, and and certainly um, you can augment it with other information because um, wow, you your organization is just so powerful, and you've really um as you mentioned in the first line expanded the organization in 1987 in in so many different ways so um for our audience uh Alma Robinson is executive director of California Lawyers for the Arts and as i mentioned a few minutes ago you expanded the organization into a statewide agency with staff in San Francisco Berkeley Sacramento Los Angeles and San Diego uh, programs that you oversee include legal services, alternative dispute resolution, and educational programs that provide training in legal and business issues for artists and arts organizations. You have also led several successful statewide initiatives, including Arts and Environmental Dialogue and Symposia on California Arts and Healthy Communities. In 2011, you began uh, CLA's Successful Arts and Corrections Initiative in collaboration with the William James Association to restore funding for California arts programs in prisons, which had been defunded in 2003. With support from the Art for Justice Fund, you produce a series of six Art for Justice forums, which I hope we can talk about uh, in detail, with conveners in Michigan, Texas, Alabama, Georgia, California, and New York in 2018 and I was able to attend the convening in uh, California which is held in Sacramento while concluding a three-year project funded by the NEA that is demonstrating the benefits of arts programs in county jails throughout California want to hear about that too (laughs) the CLA's third conference on arts and corrections will be presented in June 2019 at Santa Clara University want you to talk about that too. <laughs> um, yeah, and you are a graduate of Middlebury uh, College and Stanford Law School. Where is uh, Middlebury uh, College? It's in Vermont. Oh. In Vermont. Oh, okay, okay. And how I got there from North Carolina is sort of unbelievable, but I got a letter from the college, and I was at that point looking for uh, opportunities to study French, and they had a great French program, and I didn't end up majoring in French, but I enjoyed living in the French chateau and, and uh, learning how to speak French, but I ended up as a history major, which I'm really um, proud of because when you look at everything that's happening through a historical lens, mm-hmm. you realize that we are just here temporarily. 
and we can just try to do our best. But maybe we can't fix the American empire. Empires rise and fall, and this is the nature of historical evolution. I'm just hoping that we can help to sustain the planet for future generations, because I think that's our most critical challenge facing us as species on this planet with some stewardship responsibilities. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Ah, so so you're a Southerner? I am. I'm from Winston-Salem, North Carolina. Oh, wow. Wow. Yeah. And now you live here in the, uh, on the West Coast, and you are just doing so many wonderful programs around arts and art for social change. And just wondering um, sort of how you came to California Lawyers for the Arts, because you could have litigated and and did your work in a whole lot of other worthy uh, and important areas of law, of jurisprudence. Um, but you chose this particular um, uh, focus and this particular um, way to, to, I guess, to create a, a more just society. Well, thank you, Wanda. I appreciate that. Um, and thank you so much for having me on your show. I took art and the law when I was in law school at Stanford. It was a new concept then, and our teacher, John Merriman, was really breaking ground. It was an interdisciplinary course between law students and art history majors, and we discovered um, all sorts of interesting areas of law, um, including intellectual property, uh, cultural preservation, Repatriation of art was a big issue then. This was in the early 70s. And it was a natural for me to wander into what was in Bay Area Lawyers for the Arts and ask for an internship after I finished law school. And many uh, law students find their way to careers through internships with nonprofit organizations, advocacy groups and uh, as an alternative to working at law firms. So I was an intern at Bay Area Lawyers for the Arts, and a couple of years later, I was um, looking at our law school placement um, uh, resources and discovered that there was a job available with the organization developing what was then a pilot program in alternative dispute resolution for artists. And fortunately, I was hired for that job. It was part-time. And I set up the rules and procedures, the first training program, and away we went. Uh, we became a national model by um, helping organizations around the country replicate our program. And so uh, in New York City, for example, Volunteer Lawyers for the Arts still maintains a mediation program that's very active that was developed um, as a replication of our program. They still have mediation trainings every year. And um, some other organizations also created programs, but they haven't been able to sustain them. But I'm really happy that the group in New York did sustain the program because artists often have problems that take place in other states. So we have collaborated for example, on cases where an artist might have sent a piece to a gallery in New York, never got it back, never got paid for it. And so it's very hard to um, demand payment or threaten litigation if you're in another state. It's really hard to get legal representation. But we've been able to work successfully with volunteer lawyers for the arts 
to resolve some of these kinds of interstate cases. So that was actually my first foray into working uh, across state lines. And uh, it was a successful program in our organization as well because it helped us develop our first office in Los Angeles and in Sacramento. And those programs are still thriving with county support for the mediation program. Mm -hmm. um, so that was, that was how I became involved with Bay Area Lawyers for the Arts. And then it grew, as you mentioned earlier, into a statewide organization. It's been a very satisfying career, actually. Hmm. Yeah, well, you, you, you're always smiling, so it must be a great match because, you know, when a person is happy, <laughs> you know, with their career choice, I mean, you are always happy looking when I see you, like, and, and I, and it's, it's like, I, I know it's for real, you know, and, and it's just great to see someone that, I mean, you're just doing so much great work. And it's so interesting, you know, that law and corrections are, um, you know, overlap, you know, within your, your, um, uh, your career, um, and in a, in a way that is, is making it possible for people to, um, uh, to get healed, um, from, you know, a lot of, a lot of traumas that are caused by, <clears throat> you know, sort of the social engineering of, of this, uh, democracy, which is not, um, a place, you know, America is not a place where everyone has access to, um, all of, you know, the, uh, I guess their, their rights, you know, as citizens or as residents. And, and so, you know, sometimes, um, the system, you know, the, the legal system is a place where people get tangled and caught up, you know, to a certain degree. And, and then the way that your organization sort of works, um, to with in concert with these other other institutions um it's just really amazing to look at i mean it just sort of looks sort of shows how um you know as as a, a person who has you know um knowledge and expertise in jurisprudence you know you're also good in negotiation <laughs> yeah. I like to think that that comes out of my own mediation training and experience and practice. And mm -hmm. um, we've had a lot of great collaborative relationships with um, William James Association, for example. We mm -hmm. teamed up in 2011. We went to state hearings together in the at the Capitol on public safety and made the case for why arts programs needed to be funded through their rehabilitation services. Mm -hmm. And fortunately, at that time, the state corrections department was under the jurisdiction of the federal courts, and they had to figure out how to reduce the uh, terrible uh, overcrowdedness of our state prisons. And so the state legislature was looking at basically three options. Are we going to build more state prisons in California or ship more people out of state to other states that have capacity, either through public or private prisons? Or are we going to try to help people through rehabilitation and reduce the number of people who are incarcerated in the state prison system? Fortunately, they went for the third option. They decided to invest a lot more money in rehabilitation programs, and we were able to get a slice of that funding initially 
as a pilot project for two years, um, $2.5 million program that placed artists in 20 prisons. The success of that led to a much larger state contract. It's now $8 million a year for mm -hmm. arts programs in all 35 state institutions. And we are really, um, really excited about the results. Um, more people are coming out and not going back. And I wish we had a better way to document the success of our programs by reducing recidivism. But even for people who remain incarcerated, their lives are so much better. They are, are not looking for uh, conflicts. They are looking to get back into the studio and finish that piece of art that they're working on or get back into the um, drama um, class with Shakespeare, with Marin Shakespeare Company, or really uh, up to 17 organizations around the state have contracts to do arts programs. But folks are thinking about how they're working effectively with people rather than how to beat them in the next counterpunch or whatever argument might be going on in the yard. So it has really affected the environment of prisons around the state, and that's a great thing to be part of. Mm, right, yeah. And I was looking that, um, I guess, around that, that time in 2014, um, Dr. Brewster um, had a report that is um, – you know, is cited um, looking at um, pre and post surveys of participants in arts programs at the California Rehabilitation Center in Norco uh, and Soledad, New Folsom and San Quentin State Prisons. And um, yeah, that that particular study uh, looks like it was pretty significant. And and then I was thinking about a conversation that I had recently with uh, Lee Jokey, Leah Jokey, um, who has the um, uh, the theater program at Lancaster um, State Prison, which I think is um, the oldest um, theater program in the California um, prison system. I think she started that when she was a correctional officer, actually. I'm not sure, but um, I do want to go back to what you said about Dr. Brewster. He is just unbelievable. He's a professor at the University of San Francisco, and he's made it his life's work hmm. to um, study various issues involving corrections in the arts, starting mm -hmm. with a study I believe he did in 1987 that showed that people who were in arts programs had fewer disciplinary incidents and therefore saved, the arts programs were saving the state money mm -hmm. because discipline is expensive. Um, you have to uh, get a crew together to take the prisoner to a facility where they have a hearing and there are people that administer the hearings and so forth. So he calculated all of these really dollars and cents um, costs of discipline, and that was an incredible piece of work. And then in 2012, when we were working with the William James Association, we teamed up with him to design this study that you referred to, which we call the Demonstration Project. We raised money from private foundations. Mm -hmm. and got the approval of the uh, California uh, Corrections and Rehabilitation Department to um, do this study in several state prisons that you mentioned. And the results of that um, demonstration project inspired them to then fund the pilot project and, and um, 
in more state prisons. We continue to do some evaluation and uh, now we, as you mentioned earlier, we have a similar project in county jail, which, um, excuse me a second, we've had a similar project in county jails and we are urging the state to fund arts programs in county jails for the same reasons that it improves people's behavior, their attitudes, their communication skills, and their interest in learning, which is really significant because a lot of people who were incarcerated often didn't have the best educational opportunities. They struggled in school. A lot of them dropped out and didn't finish high school, struggled to read, and, and uh, were not encouraged. So through the arts, they have a window into uh, an opportunity to learn things they never thought they could try and, and to become a, do, a new person that can make a contribution to themselves, for their families, for their communities, and for whatever environment they're in. So it's, it's very exciting to see people have this change and to, to watch their growth and, and um, to be part of that. I can't imagine anything more exciting in terms of, of work and having had um, some kind of impact. Right, yeah. Tell, can you tell our audience who might not be familiar with the um, uh, the William James Association, because um, they are, it's a private um, a foundation, and and whenever you see any programs, or, you know, that are have any longevity in, in uh, the arts and corrections, um, William James is right there, you know, multiple-year funding. Yes, and they hung in during the drought. We call it the drought. <laughs> Between 2003, when the California Arts Council funding was really decimated um, almost to zero by the state legislature. Mind you, it had been something like $33 million, and then it went to $1 million from the state general fund. Um, and then slowly started to creep up. But during those years, William James Association, which is managed by um, Laurie Brooks, who's a good friend and colleague um, of mine and of California Lords of the Arts, um, continued to send volunteers into state prisons to work with correctional officers. And at that point, they had facilitators in various prisons who would um, help organize and set up um, event space and classroom space for arts programs. Um, that also was eliminated by 2010, I believe, and in 2011, when we started working with William James, that was one of the, the things that we really wanted to resurrect, but it still hasn't come back. We still don't have those arts facilitators inside the prisons, which makes it somewhat difficult to negotiate over and over with the correctional officers and, you know, each prison is different and um, there's not a system-wide um, support system for arts programs. Nevertheless, we persist mm -hmm. and we uh, have been able to uh, see the astounding growth of these programs in the state prisons. And that was one of the reasons that we started having these national conferences mm -hmm. in 20, 
15, the first one was at University of San Francisco, because we thought, wow, there's a really important opportunity, but also a need to get more people trained by master artists and others about how to do this work, how to run a program, how to sustain the relationships with the prison system, with the Department of Corrections, with the State Arts Council. And so we've been successful in having two conferences, and the third one is coming up June 24th at Santa Clara University. Right, yeah. So do you want to um, uh, take this opportunity to talk about the conference, since we're talking about the conference? <laughs> sure. and, then, and then we can go back and, and talk about um, these Art for Justice forums that you hosted. And also want you to save some time to uh, talk about these publications that um, California Lawyers for the Arts has produced, particularly this one that looks really interesting, um, Judging in a Rapidly Changing World. Um, uh, and uh, this was, a, um, this was a, I guess, a conference, but, but I think a publication came out of it, right? Uh, time Out. That's not our publication. I'm oh, not it's not sure yours. Oh, okay. Okay, yeah. yeah. Cause I was, um, yeah. Okay, yeah, it was um, one of these uh, links that um, that you all sent me <laughs> to to uh, study up on. Um, Is that a link from our website? I'm not sure what you're referring to. Yeah, it's um, <clears throat> it says right here a guidebook. Uh, the, let's see. Um, no, that's that's for the county jails project report. There was a guidebook that came out. And and then um, <clears throat> judging in a, is that from the California Judges Association? Oh yeah, maybe that was a link from a link. Huh? Oh, they included us in one of their publications. Oh, they maybe included you. Okay, gotcha. I think so. I'm not sure if it's that one exactly, or I can look it up and give you the exact information later. I forget what the name of it was. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, yeah, because I was just thinking when I saw it and. Um, this was a a conference that was held uh, September 14th through 16th in 2018. It's a guidebook of California courts, community outreach programs for judicial officers. Um, oh, okay, okay. Now I know what you're talking about. Yes, they included uh, a reference. They included a reference to our um, demonstration project. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And it was it was in a guidebook for innovative community programs that they mm-hmm. wanted the judiciary to know about. Okay, okay, yeah. Because I was just thinking about how your work um, has been, um, you've been sort of like, um, because I'm sure, you know, you're seen as a person who is like a peer um, because you're also in the legal profession and the judicial system is a legal, you know, legal realm. So, so you know, you have you have um, uh, you have an audience that that hears you <laughs> in a way that um, you know other people coming in that are not peers um, are not heard. And so, um, I was just thinking about how it's it's about your work is about changing attitudes. And um, and and at the conference that I went to in Sacramento. Uh, you know those wonderful people you had on the um, on the panels. You know people from uh, corrections and people from the 
you know, the political realm, you know, legislators were all looking, talking about how, you know, they needed to open their minds. And these people were open, had their minds open and were willing to, uh, to, uh, to look at alternatives to incarceration and look mm-hmm. at alternatives to punishment. Right. Yeah, yeah. And that was really, really great, you know, if we look at it like a microcosm of, of a larger community. And I was really proud of the work that our Sacramento team did to put that event together. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, as you mentioned, it was one of six forums that we held around the country, but we had a Republican and a Democrat uh, legislators. Um, we had people from the Corrections Department, returned citizens, talking about their evolution inside and outside. Um, it was it was very interesting, and we also broke up into working groups and came up with some recommendations. One of which is to fund programs in county jails, and so we're continuing to work on that theme. Um, but there were, I think there were over 100 people there. Um, altogether, there were about seven or 800 people at these six forums around the country. Um, they were all very distinctive and had the flavor of the local environment. Uh, the one in New York was held at Columbia Law School. And Columbia Law School has been very involved in justice reform. I didn't know that. And so they brought a lot of interesting speakers and history to the table. State Arts Council was very involved as well at the program in Columbia, the New York State Arts Council, and they continue to try to bring other organizations to the work. Uh, In New York, there's a great group called Rehabilitation Through the Arts, which works in state prisons in the New York City area mostly, and so they're trying to expand that work and get more funding from the state legislature. Um, So they're uh, using our model of how we advocated successfully for arts programs to be expanded in California. And so we continue to work with them. Um, We've been fortunate to get funding from the National Art for Justice Fund to do this work around the country, as well as the Andy Warhol Foundation. So it's been uh, great to have their support, as well as a local funder, the Clinton Hancock Fund. so it's uh, it's uh, got some momentum and some traction. Our um, consultant in Georgia, we had a forum at the Emory University Law School in Atlanta, and out of that forum came a project that we are working with a consultant who is also uh, a consultant to the uh, Greater Atlanta Urban League, um, which uh, the Urban League of Greater Atlanta, and their project is to develop a system for pre-apprenticeships for people coming out who want to work in the film and music industries. So they're putting together some traction with leaders in those industries to develop some routes for people to get on board employment uh, with the film studios and um, music. Wow, that's really different. That's awesome. Isn't that interesting? So Beverly Joy will be speaking about that at our conference. Oh. Oh. Nice, nice. Wow, that's really different. That's awesome. It's a very concrete um, 
um, concept, and we hope it will bear fruit, that there will actually be some people uh, getting some free apprenticeship employment opportunities and job training. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. In the year, there will be some, some slots available. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was just thinking, um, if I can interrupt you for a second, uh, about the uh, um, the uh, conference in Sacramento, you know, we had – we were treated to live a live music um at the end you know while we were um networking and you know sort of wrapping up a wonderful day we had this great music uh performed by uh by a ensemble of men who were all um you know justice system impacted and uh, are now making their livings you know doing their their work um and they also knew each other from time spent in San Quentin and so, and they were awesome. Yes, and some of them were from Soledad and different places. They are mm-hmm. also going to be performing oh. at the conference at one of them. <laughs> so, yeah, a lot of them live in South Bay area around Santa Cruz and San Jose. So, mm-hmm. they're homegrown talent. We're very proud of them. <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. And, and I also have um, a photography show by. Peter Mertz, who has been photographing people inside and outside for the last 10 years or so. And he recently was cited in the New York Times. He was in a show put on by Photoville in Los Angeles, and thousands of people came to see his pictures, which are just extraordinary. Mm. Nice. So there are, there are a lot of art aspects to this. We have a quilt maker who makes quilts who's going to bring those to the conference as well. Uh, we will also be looking at some organizations more intensely than we did in the past, mm-hmm. such as Mural Arts of Philadelphia, which has an incredible uh, menu of programs that include uh, people making murals in the community. Um, they continue to teach inside and outside and have uh, school arts education programs um, is a a huge organization and so we said well why don't instead of having you talk on a panel for 10 minutes why don't we just spend 90 minutes and learn more about all the things you do and there'll be people from all over the country and it it will really be fascinating we're going to do another in-depth look at what's going on in ohio because they sent several people to our conference in 2015 and went back and started doing much more work inside corrections Mm. and making more grants. And so the State Arts Council helped develop a service organization for artists who work in corrections. So they're coming in force, and we'll we'll look at them, too, in an in-depth workshop. It's going to be exciting. I'm glad you're coming, Wanda. Oh, me too. Me too. It's really going to be exciting. So, um... So how do um how do people um like who is the who is the uh, conference for? Um is it for just regular people that are interested in um uh arts and corrections um or um yeah, so who who are you looking to to um to have, you know, at these at the conference and I know you have a pre-conference which looked really interesting cuz it's it's um <clears throat> you know, it's it's uh June 24th you know, through 28th. So it's kind of, and it's all day. I mean, you've got things programmed for, you know, all of that time, which I'm sure is not even enough to do everything that you might want to do. <laughs> well, and we're getting more ideas every day. 
Well, the way it breaks down, Monday the 24th is, is set for California artists and arts organizations that work in the state prison system or want to work in the state prison system. So all the organizations, there are 17 actually, that have contracts from the state and many of those provide programs in multiple institutions plus four new organizations that are coming on board in July. We're trying to make it possible for them to come as well. So that's that's on Monday. We will be hearing from the State Arts Council Director, Ann Baum Crawford, as well as Kathy Allison, who's the Undersecretary of the California Department of Corrections and Rehabilitation. Kathy was involved with us back in 2012 when we were setting up these demonstration projects under Dr. Brewster's leadership uh, with the William James Association as our main collaborator. And so um, it would be really exciting to see her again in her new role as Undersecretary of the Department. We also have an artist in residence for the first time, Jimmy Santiago Baca, who's a very well-known and prolific writer. Yes, I, I love him. I teach his, his writing and his story, you know, from the videos in my um, English classes. And I'm like, and oh, my God, I just love him. I remember when he got the Before Columbus Award, and I have I have those those particular collections in my library. <laughs> oh, I am such a fan! Oh my God, he rocks! Oh my goodness! So he's going to be with us the entire week, and we're, oh. going, we're going to Alcatraz on Friday. He got so excited. He said he used to deliver food to Alcatraz or something like that. It, there, you know, he has a very um, interesting past, a lot of lot of different things, and so he has some connection to Alcatraz that he was excited about. So we're going to do some workshops at Alcatraz with, all right. Um, so Annie Buckley is is a force of nature, and she's going to be leading a workshop as well with some of her teachers, who are uh, people who are returned citizens and now they're teaching. Mm -hmm. So it's going to be a very um, exciting week and. Jimmy Santiago Baca agreed to teach an art, a poetry class as well as oh, nice. a training program for teachers, and he's our keynote speaker on Tuesday. So people who would be interested in this are folks that are interested in um, reforming the justice system through the arts. We're on a mission for sure because once you realize the talent that's locked up for way too long, you you think about how people could be making contributions if only they were outside. And Jimmy Santiago Baca is a perfect example of that. Um, if you read his memoir, um, A Place, what is it called? A Place of My Own? Mm -hmm. Do you know the book? Um, yeah, I I know it. I think I don't. I didn't read his memoir. I think I I just read his collections of poetry. His poetry. Yeah, yeah. but I but I've I watched a lot of his videos where he talks about how poetry saved his life, and it's just amazing, you know, how when they his the inmates or the people who were incarcerated with him learned about his ability to write, and he was like a scribe for other people. They were like, "This is what you need to be doing." And it his, was just, book, mm -hmm, his book is called A Place to Stand. Okay. A Place to Stand. And and he does write extensively about that 
process, but he also says he was illiterate when he went to mm-hmm. prison. Yeah. And mm-hmm. when you start writing, you start reading. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. And so he became a profound writer, and he was just waking up every day to write by the end of his tenure in state prison. And uh, it was just a profound story and of of redemption and and how to have a meaningful life after being wasted. So I think, you know, we get the idea that the arts really offer this power to everybody, whether you're inside or outside, and that we can all be more creative in how we live our lives, how we live with other people, how we can have a positive impact on the people around us. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I was just thinking about uh, Malcolm X and um, and and how you know he he became literate, you know, in prison, <clears throat> and and you, and also you know you think about um, our ancestors like Frederick Douglass, who also talks about literacy and how important the written word is, and and you know again we're looking at liberation and freedom, you know, whether that's a legal form of freedom, a legal form of of um, of, of um, a bondage, you know, which slavery was, and then we fast forward to this other legal form of bondage, which prisons are. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and then we look at how knowledge is so so powerful, and and literacy is, you know, and. But uh, you know, the think about um, Michelle Alexander's book that made a profound impact on me. Mm, yeah, the New Jim Crow. Yes, exactly, exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 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 and then and then think back to how our, we've been robbing our children um, by by reducing arts education in schools, mm-hmm. by not allowing expression, by not encouraging people to think, <laughs> and so you know this the whole business of testing people and which is a way of dumbing them down because everybody is not a multiple choice thinker. Yeah. And so when people start to feel like they're failing at that, then they give up. They easily give up. And it's a shame because every child has something, some light that needs to be turned on. And so we're giving up on a lot of people and not giving them the opportunity. And then you sort of place them on that school to juvenile hall to prison pipeline. And pretty soon you've lost a huge chunk of of our next generation that ought to be out here working, contributing, paying taxes, voting, and uh, we have a lot of work to do to try to clean this up. But I do think the arts offer an answer. Mm-hmm. Not, the, not the only answer, but an answer to helping keep kids in school, keeping them out of trouble, um, and helping folks turn their lives around. Mm. Yeah, yeah, certainly. Um, yeah, a lot of times, you know, um, <clears throat> uh, people don't know what their options are. Uh, if 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 all you have around you are, you have limited um, ideas around not the ideas, but limited examples of what's possible. Because a lot of times, communities are isolated or cut off and 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 targeted. And so the only example that you have is something that's not necessarily productive or um, 
um, right. or or um, or something that's uh, life sustaining or legal even um, because right. yeah yeah and even the schools you know depending on where you go to school don't offer these young people options like they don't know what they they can't dream outside of where they are because mm-hmm. it's all locked up um I, i'm sure you've heard men inside i've heard this more than once mm-hmm. um somebody will say well my brother was here my uncle was here my daddy was here i knew i was coming here yeah mm-hmm. and it almost makes you cry yes mm-hmm. yeah 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 and and so um yeah, the connection between, you know, um, you know, free thinking and art um, are, are you know, there, there's just so many examples. If you think about people that were in the concentration camps, you know, you think about people now that are in some really dire circumstances, but, you know, if they could, if they could write a poem <laughs> or, or, you know, draw a picture on a scrap of paper, you think about Martin Luther King Jr., right? He wrote, a letter from the Birmingham jail on pieces of toilet tissue, and they were smuggled out through his attorney. Like what? Wow! <laughs> <laughs> like what? <laughs> I mean, the power of, of art, use, and it's a good way to use time too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. You know, and I think about my friend Robert King. You know, who made candy <laughs> um, for those folks that were, you know, getting ready to make that final walk. You know, that what do you call it? The Walking Dead. Mm-hmm. Getting ready to get executed at Angola State Prison, and so he would wow. make some candy, you know, the pralines. Um, oh, I didn't yeah. know about that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's why he called them freelings, um, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So, you know, cooking is an art, culinary arts, right? For sure. <laughs> yeah. Actually, we did a seminar on that, um, the intellectual property of recipes and cookbooks. Oh, back nice. around, you know, a few years ago. Um it was well received yeah wow and was i reading that you're honoring you all are honoring some people um uh, we are we're having an event tomorrow night at the uh to honor um supervisor phil serna the royal chicano air force which is an arts activist organization that's Mm -hmm. been around for a number of decades um, and some other folks who've been really important to our organization, like Daniel Yamshan, who's a great mediator. He works internationally. Um, and um, let me think, who else are we honoring? Sorry, um, I don't want to leave anybody out. You know, if you start on a list, you better name everybody. <laughs> <laughs> right? Right. Uh who else are we honoring? Um okay, let me start over. Oops. <laughs> um This is our annual Artistic License Awards um, celebration, which we're having tomorrow in Sacramento. And we're honoring Supervisor Phil Serna from Sacramento County. He's been a great art supporter. Uh, Dr. Sherry Meyer from Sac State. She was our host for our California Arts and Justice Forum in Sacramento. Oh, yes, she was excellent. 
he was a yeah, very, very profound thinker and mm -hmm. educational leader. The Royal Chicano Air Force, which has been an arts activist group for some 50 years. Hmm. Um, Daniel Yamshan, who is an excellent mediator. He works internationally as well as Buck Buskill, who is the director of the Sacramento Theater, the B Street Theater in Sacramento. So um, we're very excited about tomorrow's tributes to oh, these folks. Yeah. So let people know how they can, um, you know, register for the conference, attend this awards uh, event in Sacramento, and and um, and I, I want to mention that that you all um, you do have scholarships and the information is on the website. Maybe you could let people know how they don't miss this wonderful event and also read, um, you know, some of these reports and um, and uh, find out more about about the organization um, because your website is. Really comprehensive, very, very well, um, very well done. Oh, thank you very much. Um, I people can look at our website, calawyersforthearts.org, and they can see how to register for the conference, how to um, come to our awards event, which is tomorrow evening in Sacramento, and uh, how to get involved with other programs and services. We have a very extensive internship program at many of our offices around the state, hoping that law students like my younger self will be attracted to working at our organization and helping us with legal referrals, alternative dispute resolution, education programs, and advocacy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, um, Anything else you want to um, mention? Uh, we didn't get through all of the various um, locations, you know, that um, that you uh, visited on the um, on the uh, in in the uh, the conferences. You know, through, uh, I forgot the name. I can't remember the name of, of the, the Art for Justice Forum. Yeah, the Art for Justice Forum. Yeah, we didn't get a chance to talk about all of them, but. Hopefully this, this, this conversation is, is just one of, of, a, of a several that we're going to be having now that we've finally, you know, been able to, like, have this conversation. Get down to it. Yeah, thank you so much for including me. Um, I look forward to seeing you at the conference. I hope you get to interview some people from around the country. we got a lot of folks coming from Michigan, for example, mm. as a result of our Art for Justice Forum Super. at the University of Michigan back in April. Mm -hmm. um, and so, you know, we're very excited to see things happening after those forums because sometimes you have a conference and you're not sure if it was effective. But I feel like we did make some some strides and develop some new alliances in some of the states. I can't say it was perfect, uh, but we did, I think, make a difference bringing different people together and having some really deep conversations about criminal justice and the arts. And always there were exciting people who had been um, involved in the arts when they were inside and they've come out and become our best ambassadors mm -hmm. for, for these programs because they know how much it made a difference in their lives. Mm -hmm. Right, yeah, that's really, really great when um, people that are most affected are able to speak for themselves, and um, and I'm thinking about um, you know you're even going to have um, uh, uh, see Norris Henderson, uh, voice of the experienced, um, 
you know, he's going to be, um, you know, speaking as well, you know, about the uh, the work that they did around, um, you know, getting people um, who were disenfranchised and not able to vote their vote back and how, how that really changed the outcome of the elections. Um, what year was that? Was that 2000? That was 2018. Right, exactly. They yeah. had a huge vote in Louisiana that mm-hmm. North spearheaded, and he also worked with the folks in Florida. Right, who yes. Who were able to restore voting rights for ex-felons, and it's it's really being challenged by the Florida legislature. Mm-hmm. Power is a hard thing to give up. So, oh, yeah, yeah. People act like they own democracy, right? Like, oh, no, you don't. <laughs> no, you don't. You do not own the democracy. No way. If they, if they own it, it's going to crash because <laughs> God include everybody. Mm-hmm. That was the idea. And it wasn't perfect, as Obama said. We're still trying to perfect it. Mm-hmm. But we have to make sure that everybody can have an opportunity to vote Um Stacey Abrams has a wonderful piece in the New York Times today, actually, oh. about oh. Uh, combating voter suppression. Okay, and, I have to read that. Yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Well, great talking with you. Great speaking to you too, Alma. <laughs> wow, that was a wonderful conversation with a fabulous woman who is doing some great work. Um, around equity and, and justice um, for all people through um, the organization that she leads, California Lawyers for the Arts. And once again, the uh, uh, Lawyers for the Arts um, ALA 2019 uh, Artistic License Awards is this afternoon, 5.30 p.m., uh, Sierra 2 Center for the Arts and Community in Sacramento. And so if you are traveling from the northern part of San Francisco Bay Area, you need to probably get on the road. Um, And you can find out information about this particular event on the Cal or CA Lawyers for the Arts.org website. You can also find information about the the conference, um, Arts and Corrections Conference, is coming up in June at Santa Clara University, um, reframing the landscape of justice is the theme, uh, 24th, April, uh, June 24th through the 28th, so you can register on the website. And what else? Um, I think I was trying to decide whether or not to play uh, my Jasmine uh, Milan Williams interview or the interview with the executive director and founder of the uh, um, the San Francisco uh, International Arts Festival, which kicks off next Thursday. And um, so I think I'll go with my first mind. I will play the interview with uh, Andrew Woods, and I'm going to read uh, his bio before I jump right into that interview because it was a two-part interview. Um, it, the first part, we just went through his bio sort of like, item by item getting getting some stories um but i want i do want to be able to play uh the interview with jasmine as well so um the organist not organist but the the uh, group that she's um performing with is called us 
in the U.S., and that's going to be really, really awesome. So I want to make sure you can hear that conversation, which is in two parts. And then next week we'll play the interview with uh, Abdul Kenyatta, who, again, has the uh, Speakeasy Storytellers um, uh, Cafe. I think the cafe is my my uh, iteration of it. But anyway, that's going to be on May 31st. So Andrew Wood is a native, native of England, uh, and he is the founder of the San Francisco International Arts Festival. His rationale in creating the festival was to present the powerful but sometimes insular messages and ideas of the San Francisco performing arts community and link them, this arts community, to the outside world through a shared platform with often political and aesthetically aligned international artists presenting their own work in the Bay Area for the first time. Prior to creating the San Francisco International Arts Festival, Andrew was the director of ODC Theater, and while there, he changed the organization's tax status to be distinct from the rest of the ODC operation and proactively programming the space. In less than three years, he was able to transform the venue from being primarily a rental facility with an annual income of less than $150,000 into a multidisciplinary presenting organization with a budget of half a million dollars. Wood's other experiences working at arts presenting organizations has included life on the water. His first job in the arts in 1991 and the San Francisco Ethnic Dance Festival both organizations were headquartered at the Fort Mason Center at the time. So it's almost like coming full circle uh, now that Fort Mason Center is a partner with the San Francisco International Arts Festival. From 1991 to 93, Andrew was also one of the instigators at, of the mission-based pro-Indigenous 500 Years of Resistance Arts and Activists procession and festival titled Pachaski. In 1994, he co-founded Institute, a queer theater production company. In his brief three years of existence, the group produced such luminary theatrical landmarks as Carrie, the play, Beach Party, and The Black Lagoon, and a production of Valley of the Dolls that enjoyed a run of 54 performances. As an art artist manager, he has worked with the San Francisco Mime Troupe, Robert Henry Johnson Dance Company, Pearl Abungan Dancers and Musicians, the hip-hop band Midnight Voices, and the Women's Poetry Collective Blood Test, among others. So now I am going to play this interview with Andrew, which is pretty awesome, and then we're going to shift right into an interview with uh, Jazz, and that's going to close the show for today, Friday, May 17th. Malcolm X weekend. Okay, oh. you like that? Oops, wrong. <laughs> I've got a few windows open. Here we are. So let's talk about the uh, San Francisco International Arts Festival, um, the path to democracy, um, and your 2019 festival program. Uh -huh. um, it's always I'm always like really, really amazed at how. Um, you know, sort of the the uh, the breadth of the programming, you know, for the festivals, and um, and you know, I'm always interested in in your African diaspora uh, programming, and you always you never disappoint. It's always so amazing. So mm -hmm. yeah, so I was wondering if we could talk about the theme and uh, and you know, sort of what you have you know have planned for the festival, which begins next Thursday, May 23rd, and it goes yep. to Sunday, June 2nd. I guess that's um, almost two weeks? Two weeks. It is two weeks. Okay, cool. Yeah. yeah. And it seems like it's all happening 
at the Fort Mason Center for Arts and Culture, which makes it correct. <laughs> they're our part. They're our partners. Um, so the we used to when we first went to Fort Mason um, with the festival in 2009, yes. we used to rent two venues from them. Uh-huh. But in 2015, uh, they decided that they, were, they wanted to be co-presenters, and so they just gave us half a dozen venues at no cost. So that means we were able to expand the program, you know, quite a lot. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, and we, we use now half a dozen different venues at Fort Mason. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so there's about 50 different companies taking part. Wow, and, uh, 50 companies. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, it's a, it's a pretty expansive, uh, event. And, um, and we have artists coming from 13 different countries. Uh, but there's, but it's still, it's, it's about 25% international and 75% local. So mm-hmm. out of those 50 companies, 37 and a half are from the Bay Area <laughs> or, or, you know, for our local companies. And there's, and we have, and we have five productions, local productions that are from the African diaspora. Mm-hmm. And there's one that's coming from the Republic of Ireland of all places. Mm-hmm. And, um, and also, and so the, 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 the local companies, there's a group called Us in the US, and they are, and they're from Hayward. They, they all went to CSU East Bay. Mm-hmm. And they, and, um, and part of what we do at the festival now is we, we are trying to, um, work with younger artists who between one and five years out of, out of university with, with arts degrees. Yes. So what, and so Us in the US is one of those, is one of those groups, and they went to CSU Hayward. Oh, uh, so we're having so CSU, so CSU East Bay in Hayward. Right. Um, and so, the, but they're but they're um, but they they'll be part of the festival. And then there's also um, Abada Capoeira, uh, led by Marcia Tridler from the Mission. They're in the they're in the festival, and they come every two years uh, to perform with us. So um, you know they they kind of come on on off years, or sorry, odd years. Uh, they were in 2015, 2017, and now they're in 2019 as well. Okay. Uh, Abdul Kenyatta is going to be um, doing uh, his uh, 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 Speakeasy Storyteller series. Mm-hmm. And uh, Brian Copeland is going to be at the festival this year with his uh, his piece titled The Waiting Period. Mm-hmm. Um, so, have I, that, have I got four, five? <laughs> am, I, am I missing? Am I forgetting one? Hang on. Um, okay. No, I think that's it. Okay. And then, um, I would say Andrew, I didn't uh, yeah. hmm? So, um, the, 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 the one from Republic of Ireland is, it's, it's Tara Brandell, and she has a piece titled Circus, and she's working with a gentleman named Nicholas Nwosu. Uh, and he won't be physically in the festival because he's he's um he's he's in the Republic of Ireland as a refugee, and he's oh. getting his he's getting his paperwork. But they he's featured in the videos with 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 Tara, and Tara's coming. Uh, but but he'll he'll be able to travel after he's got his his paperwork sorted out in Ireland, as a, so so he's able to stay there. Okay. So, what, yeah. what country is he from that he's speaking? Um... He is from Nigeria. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah, he's a, he's a, he was a street dancer, and uh, mm-hmm. and now he's now he's moved to the Republic of Ireland, and uh, he's just waiting to get his uh, his status there. So yeah, yeah so that um, oh sorry, Jessica Lorel. How could I forget Jessica Lorel? Is the other one? She's also um, she was a she's a graduate of Stanford, mm-hmm. and uh, so that was, like I said, we we're working with um, younger artists who are one to five years out of school, 
and Miriam, Araya, and her group, um, and Jasmine Williams, who's going to be on your program later, mm-hmm. are from uh, far as in the U.S. But then Jasmine, but then Jessica, she's a she's a graduate from Stanford, and she's going to be one of our opening night artists. Mm-hmm. She's a musician, and uh, so she's going to be doing a live recording, and it's for her new album, mm-hmm. and uh, it's the recording title "We Are a Live Recording," mm-hmm. and she'll be performing at 8:30 on Thursday, May the 23rd, as one of our opening night artists. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I noticed um, uh, t- this time, and maybe in the past too, that you have a lot of, um, uh, let's see, you have a lot of dance performances, like a lot of choreography, yeah. and and, um, and and then if it's theater, it's, it's a lot of times it's physical theater. Um, mm-hmm. And, yeah, and, and I noticed that um, – that you've also um, expanded your programs with Lines Dance Center, American, Conser- American Conservatory Theater, Friends of the San Francisco Library Bookstore, Flags Art Supplies, and the San Francisco Conservatory of Music. Yeah. Um, well, yeah. some of the some of the some of the, act- the educational activities happen away from Fort Mason. Okay. Uh, so, for example, uh, um, we do we do dance masterclasses at Lines. Oh. There isn't a there isn't a suitable there isn't a suitable dance studio at Fort Mason, so we. Um, so we we work with lines to do uh, to do dance classes there, and the next one is going to be Chen Wei Li from uh, from Taiwan is going to be there on Thursday the 23rd on the, on our same opening night. She she um she has a, uh, a she does a dance form called Gaga, mm-hmm. and uh, and so she'll be at lines at 7:30 on the 23rd. And I think that show that 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 class is nearly full. So if people want to sign up for that, they should. Um, they should go to the website and and, uh, and do that because we we think it's going to be full soon. Um, and then ACT um, again, they have a they have their conservatory and um, and we do master classes there. So the Spitfire Company from the Czech Republic are going to be teaching a master class over at uh, at ACT on on Sunday, June the second, which is the last day of the festival. And uh, that's Last I heard, there's there's 12 places in that in that class, and six of them are already gone. So there's six. Mm-hmm. Last week there was six places left if people wanted to sign up to do the masterclass with with um with, with Spitfire Company. Mm-hmm. And then um and then we have panel discussions in the bookstore at Fort Mason. Okay. And Flax, you know, Flax Art Supply used to be on Valencia Street, but they were they were evicted from there, so they've moved over. So they've got one store in Oakland, and they've got their store is now at at the Fort Mason Center. So oh, we're doing one of the one of the we're doing one of the panel discussions there, and I think okay. what we're trying to do is, um, you know, um, uh, we're Andrew, trying we're trying. Andrew, Andrew yeah. let me interrupt you for a second because I also want to let sure. people know that the Flax uh, store in Oakland is also um, uh, is also one of the stages for Ubuntu Theater Project. So their new their okay. new play Romeo and Juliet is actually um, at the Flax. Store in Oakland. Um, I didn't know theater. that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, Howard, Howard from Howard Flax is the owner of the store. He's um, he's really wants to be supportive of what we do, and I can imagine he's trying to help us, you know, an artist in the East Bay as well, agree with his mm-hmm. store there. Yes. Um, we we what we were talking about doing this show, it hasn't materialized yet, but we're talking about doing a, a, some large public art, um, uh, sort of uh, murals. And banners and things. Well, that's we're, we're probably going to try and do that next year. But Howard's Howard's down to do it. It's just that we have to get the park service to agree, and that's one of the things about being at Fort Mason. It's um it's great for being a being as part of a national park is great for a lot of reasons, uh, but there's sometimes some red tape you have to you have to cut through in order to get things done. 
And so um, when we suggested that we wanted to do large-scale um, banner art this year, um, we kind of caught them a bit on the hop. So <laughs> we, it's going to take a longer period of of, of sort of just um, just just developing the process so that they aren't shocked by it. And so we we hope to have the larger banner art with Flax in 2020. Um, but there's all of which is to say that that you know Flax Art Supply does want does want to be supportive of what we're doing, and they are hosting one of our panel discussions. And whilst we whilst we figure out how to you know get banner art going up at uh, on federal property, which is then which is one of our tasks for next year. Mm-hmm. Anyway, sorry, we digress. I apologize. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so um, I just wanted to, for people who um, know um, um, Brian Copeland, um, he, I think he has a piece now also at the Marsh, a uh, new story yeah, a, about his grandmother, right? Yes, that's going up at the Marsh, I believe. Well, I know that um, Brian has sent, sent, when I was asking him, oh, we were canvassing who could be on the show, I got a text from Brian saying he's on a cruise somewhere. <laughs> so he's, he's he's preparing for his his show in in the right way, obviously by taking lots of um, rest and relaxation. But the piece he's doing is actually free at the festival. There's no charge to see it. Oh, it's okay. been it's been under it's been underwritten by Sutter Bank, and okay. uh, but it's it's just the waiting period, and it's the piece he did uh, about his own depression when uh, he well, the waiting period is the ten days he had to wait to get the gun he wanted to buy to shoot himself. Exactly. And, um, yeah. and it, so it's, I very really know Brian's a comic. He's a very funny man. So the piece itself is hilarious, but it's also, it's, it's also a, a very uh, touching and, uh, and poignant piece. Mm-hmm. And he's, and he's doing it now. I think he's, um, he's, uh, I think a lot, the, there's just, uh, I know that there's a, there's a, there's a lot of depression and a lot of people are sort of harming themselves and when Brian wants to, you know, have the show be as accessible to everybody as he possibly can. Um, and, and, you know, and tell, to tell people that they can get help. And, um, and he has lots of stories about that. So it's, uh, you know, we're very, we're very glad he's able to do it and bring his work to the festival. And, uh, we're even more glad that he can, he can do it without, without charging a ticket price. So that's, that's really wonderful. Yeah, yeah, it's really awesome. Um, and and I, I I did see it, and and it's a great great time to be you know bringing that back that particular uh-huh. story um, because of so much gun violence, um, you know, in our nation. I mean, oh my goodness, people are not yeah. not just committing suicide; um, they are killing other people because they're depressed. Right, and uh, I think that's one of the points you Brian wants to make with the piece is that's in. The, in the African American community, you know, people do, they don't just harm themselves; they harm others as well. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and that's that's one of the points you wanted to make about gun violence uh, in in the black community. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's really a call to, to for everybody to to you know to to think and and see and and seek help. And you know, no matter what your tendency is, if it's to harm yourself or to harm somebody else, you can you know there, there are places you can go for help. And I think that's one of the points of the story. Is that, uh, is that you know you're never it's never there's never there's, it's never so bad that you can't ask for help and I think that's one of the things that people get into is that they they're, they're in these sort of these downward spirals and they think they can't reach out and ask for support and um, Brian's show is to say that no that's not the case you can so uh, we you know we hope a lot of people can come and see it right yeah yeah um, 
Well, uh, we have a couple more minutes. Um, anything you want to highlight? I was um, looking at the, um, you mentioned Spitfire, um, their presentation of um, from the Czech Republic presenting Antiwords, the West Coast debut of their physical theater interpretation of mm -hmm. uh, Vaslav Havel's seminal play Audience. That looks interesting. Yep. But then I was also looking at um, uh, the uh, the group um, out of uh, Syria, Collective uh, Maluba, with the U.S. Unfortunately, Collective, Collective Maluba um, were the first. We, we were we were prepared for a battle to get them oh. their visas. Yeah. And um, and so we 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 put in a lot of extra material into their application. Yeah. And we were really surprised that they were the first company to be approved for oh, their work super. visas. Oh, good. Well, yeah, until and and it was, but then they went to the consulate to get their stamps and their passports. Yeah. And um, and it costs two hundred dollars for for international artists. They all have to pay two hundred dollars each oh, to go wow. to the consulate just just for their interview. Oh. And and they, and they were told that they wouldn't be able to travel then. Uh, ah. So it was it was, which was really um, uh, and we we're about to announce this that uh, that that the show has been cancelled. Oh. Uh, because the uh, the Americans, uh, having approved them, then decided not to approve them, mm. and uh, and it's um, and it seems like they, you know, if they were going to challenge it, they should have challenged it before they before they awarded the petition, which is what they did, mm. and then they just charged them an extra two hundred dollars a head so they could humiliate them in person, and that's what happened. Um, mm. And uh, and we were we were really looking forward to that piece and. Uh, and now we just we're having to tell the world that it's not happening, unfortunately. Wow. wow. And it was going to be their U.S. debut. Oh. So, um, oh. yeah, I'm sorry to tell you the bad news on the air, but uh, yeah. we're we're sending a press release out about it today okay. that uh, Collective Maluba are not coming, unfortunately. Okay. And with another company has also had to, another company didn't get a visa either. And that was a uh, company, Virginie Brunel from yeah, from that Canada. was the next. Yeah, that was the one I was going to ask you about. You know, because um, yeah. I think my next guest is trying to. Call in, but I'm going to call um, call Mr. Kenyatta back. Okay. Yeah, because that looked really interesting. Uh, the U.S. premiere of Complex de Genre. Um, yep. The battle of the sexes plays out in, in an external but lighthearted struggle for advantage and supremacy amid tool skirts, fierce partnering, and ballet aesthetic. Oh, really? Really, uh, we just got that letter this morning. Um, uh, it's it's the um, the visa. The, the the visa process has always been difficult, yeah. but um, uh, I think the USCIS has gone from being a large government bureaucracy to becoming a, a malevolent large government bureaucracy. It's taken mm -hmm. a, two years for Mr. Trump's influence to sort of leach through to the operational level, yeah. but now they are kind of acting well, even more with impunity than they used to, and uh, and so it's been a, every single every single visa this year was was extremely tough to get. Wow. And um wow. and uh, and and like I say, they they approved Collective Maluba, and then decided to change their minds after they after they charged them a lot more money. Right. Uh, and then and Virginia Brunel is actually the highest profile international artist we have, and they mm -hmm. said that they, that her profile wasn't international enough. <laughs> um, oh my God. And, and which which you can argue back and forth, but but for some of the artists we've presented over the years. Um, you know, there was one company last year from Japan. They'd never been outside of Japan before. And we successfully got them their visas. Virginia Brunel tours all over the world. Mm -hmm. And, uh, she had never been to the United States before. And that's one of the reasons we wanted to bring her and present her work here. But, um, mm -hmm. but we got the letter, we got the, we got the letter this morning saying that no, um, her international 
exponentials are not are not high enough, mm-hmm. which is which is bizarre. Yeah. But yeah. So and I so I don't mean to dwell on things that aren't happening because we want to talk about things that are happening. But uh, yeah, it's um it's uh, it was a lot of work mm-hmm. to do, and then to have them turned down at the last minute is um, really um is not is not is not a good thing. Right. Yeah. So, um, so um, I, I need to call um, uh, Mr. Kenyatta back so he can tell me about um, the, um, yeah, the the speaker, the speaker, the storytelling speaker. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But before um, before um, you know we go, I wanted to ask you if you could talk a little bit about the path to democracy because you know these these this conversation we're having now about you know what theater can get into. You know, well, it's um. I mean, the the, the path to democracy is the. It's, this is the third sort of festival that we've done since the election of Donald Trump, and uh, the first one we did was um was with the theme. It was in the dark times. Will there also be singing? Which is a Bertolt Brecht quote, and it was that the answer to the, that rhetorical question is that yes, yes, they'll be singing about the dark times. So in the, that first year, we did we sort of we 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 did a lot of work around protest. Mm-hmm. Last year was the 50th anniversary of Martin Luther King's um, assassination. But we were trying to think about what were the things that King said 50 years ago that are still really important today. And, you know, one of the things that he said that was really important is that, you know, we are we have to organize, you know. And he was talking about in his, um, in, his uh, in, in one of his speeches where he came out against Vietnam, you know, he was sort of saying, I can't just be about civil rights. You know, I have to be against the war as well. And, and so it was how do you organize across sector? And, um, so that was tried. Uh, how do we think about organizing to oppose the Trump administration? Uh, when, you know, when they're attacking us in so many different ways. So that was last year. And this year, uh, the party democracy as well, you know, we, we're protesting and we're organizing, but how do we plan for our own? So, so what we wanted to do was look at, look at the struggles for democracy in different parts of the world and, and see how, how, how democracy is playing out in those places. So, the Havel piece, the Czech, the, the one they um, fit by a company, the ha- Havel wrote that play um, in the years following the Prague Spring. And it was about, basically his alter ego as a playwright how was so broke he had to go and get a job working in a brewery. And the, the boss of the brewery was a communist spy. So he tried to, he, he invited him for a beer one night and then just tried to pump him for information about what his activities were and who all of his contacts were. Uh, the Collective Maluba, that's, that piece was about, or is about, um, Syrian refugees, um, but in, in the years following the Arab Spring and the civil war in Syria, um, what was happening to those refugees and what about their their path to democracy? The piece that's coming from Hong Kong, Theatre de la Fuel, is the orphan of Zhao. It's a traditional Chinese, it's a classic Chinese story, but they wrote that, their version of it, in 2014 during the Yellow Umbrella protests in Hong Kong, which is about the fight for democracy there with, with Beijing, with China. Um, then there's, I don't know what to that piece is more about domestic, um, affairs between men and women, but again, it's about a struggle. And even some of the, um, some of the flamenco work, there's a, there's a, a piece we're doing with the Theatre Flamenco de San Francisco. They have a piece titled Rock Flamenco. Um, but it was, that comes from the years of 1970s Spain, when, when the dictator Franco died and Spain was moving back to democracy. Mm-hmm. Was when there was um there was um, there, there was a lot of rock rock music being played there, and the, some of the flamenco people decided to start employ using the rock music in flamenco, 
and the purists from Enco people thought it was a crime. They, they, were, they were outraged by it. Mm-hmm. But, it, but the fusion of rock music and flamenco became one of the great periods of, of, of flamenco, and it was this burgeoning time of democracy in Spain. So we, we thought we would bring theatre flamenco to San Francisco to come and, and, and present that piece, mm-hmm. which again, which is, a, which is about democracy. And even some of the, well, some of the Indian dance music that we're dance, um, uh, some of the Indian classical dance that we have, we have Abinaya Dance Company from San Jose, mm-hmm. and their piece is all about Martin Luther King. Oh yeah, the, about, oh, it, it, oh yeah, it, they've done that a few times. That's great that you, they, yeah. you're bringing it to, uh, the international, the Samsung International Art Festival. Yeah. Oh, that's so it's, great. So it's, awesome. So it's, uh, there's lots of different ways. You know, we, we don't, not everything we do is just overtly political. Because uh, we're a festival, we, we try to give a range of, of ideas and a range of experiences. Um, but we're saying that, you know, the path of democracy can be explored in, 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 in different fashions. And, and those types of dance performances, um, hark back to those, to, to those times and to those people. And so they're, they're all part of the message as well. Mm-hmm. Nice, nice. So, oh, wow. That's great. That's really great. Okay. I have, I noticed that the melody of, of China is, is a part of the, uh, the musical performances. I haven't heard them in a long time. Oh, that's really great. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Okay. Well, super. Well, thank you, Andrew. Um, and thank tell you, our Wanda. audience again how, how to get tickets and where People the website is. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, our website is www.sfiaf.org. It's the initials of our organization, San Francisco International Arts Festival. And our office number where people can call for tickets and information is 415 399 9554. 9554. Okay. And you're going to be on KPIX today? Uh, it's being recorded today and it's going to be broadcast on Sunday. Okay. All right. A uh, particular okay. time on Sunday? I, I don't I don't watch TV, but for those who do, uh, what time on Sunday can people watch it? I don't know, to be honest with you. <laughs> 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 I don't okay. watch them either. I'm sorry. I, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a radio person myself. But, um, yeah. yeah. Oh. What, but, what's the show called that you're going to be um, the show? It's Black Renaissance. It's just oh, on Channel 44. Black yeah. Oh, yeah. Nice. You may, do you know what time it starts? Oh, I don't. But um, it's, uh, I know it's on, it's, on, it's on Sunday. Okay. No, I don't. Okay. Um, but I'm sure people okay. can look it up. All right. Yes. Cool. Okay. Well, thank you. Thanks, Wanda. Thanks. Take care. <laughs> you too. Bye. Thank you. Bye-bye. So now we're going to continue with uh interview with with Jasmine um, Milan uh, Williams. It's a two-part. So we're going to start with the first part, and then we're going to shift into the second part. <laughs> Whoa. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So when I saw, you know, the um, us um, and us and the us in the U.S., I thought I thought about, you know, uh, Jason Peeler's um uh, oh, and yeah. and I'm like and I'm like I know they did this on purpose. Um <laughs> I, I forgot all about that. That's true. Yeah, yeah. And did you see the movie? Do you know it? Yes, I did. I saw it. Mm-hmm. I need to see it I need to see it one more time to kind of really How can you do that? It's so scary. No, but it's not. It's not scary like Get Out was scary because like for these people, yeah. like oh my god, you know, lobotomies like take you know like in, at, at a new level. No, but this one here is scary because you could see it happening. It hap- It takes place in the Bay Area. Like we know those places. Yeah. 
I mean, I I don't I don't even know if I can go to the Santa Cruz Boardwalk ever again. Like. <laughs> The main one is who is this woman, right? Uh huh. Because she couldn't talk. Yeah, yeah, that was crazy. And then, and then the little boy, right? He has his mask. I mean, look at the look yeah. at the the metaphors and nuances around that. You know, like, um, you know, uh. The um, Paul Lawrence Dunbar, you know, we wear the mask that grins and smiles and blah blah blah. And 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 this kid, he looks he looks at this woman who he thought, you know, thought was his mother, and then he pulls his mask down like, mm, don't know if I can talk about this. I was down there under the ground in that place. <laughs> yep, he's like, I know. Mhm. Yeah, yeah, that is so crazy. Yeah, and then and then how all these like they're all killing people. Like all this blood is so bloody. Yeah, it was. It's like it's like it's like over the top. Oh my god. Like you're not you're loud, but it's not like it's kind of like not clear. You 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 know how you know how you know yeah keep on talking. Okay yeah, so I change it a little bit. Oh yeah, that's a lot better. That's a lot better. Yeah, because I want to make sure that people can understand you when I when I um (laughs) uh, when I when I post this. Yeah yeah um yeah because we're um we're recording you know for for a radio audience. So I'm gonna read I'm gonna read your bio that you sent me. And then okay. we'll talk about uh, us in the U.S., a USA yeah. <laughs> debut, world premiere. And it's like, oh, wow, this sounds really yeah. interesting. Yeah, I like the Southside Theater. It's a really nice venue, too, over in Fort Mason. I've never been. I'm oh, so excited to get to go there. It's very nice. It's like a nice-sized theater. It's It's not too small. Like, it won't sell out, like, you know, if people, mm-hmm. but I mean, like it won't, you know, some theaters are so tiny. They're like your living room. It's not like yeah. that. Like it's a real theater, but, wow. it's, but it has an intimacy um, okay. that, that you will really appreciate you and the other members of, of, um, of yeah. the ensemble. For show. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It sounds like it's going to be really awesome, you know, sort of, yeah, I'm really mm-hmm. looking at, you know, you talk about it, but Jas, uh, Jasmine uh, Milan Williams is a professional actor in the Bay Area she is honored to be doing work that creates change and sparks conversation. Um, she has had the honor of working with theater companies such as Campo Santo, New Conservatory Theater Center, African American Shakespeare Company, 
uh, Theater Rhinoceros, California Shakespeare Theater as an understudy, Berkeley Rep mm-hmm. as an understudy. And you believe, you write, that mm-hmm. art will make America great again. <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I, I will make our, yeah, I will make our communities, make our relationships great again yeah. because it allows us to see each other. Which, mm-hmm. You know, I'm thinking, Jasmine, that we've met and we've spoken. Um, have you, because um, I'm thinking all these theaters that you perform with, I know them. Um, so yeah. name name some of the plays that you've been in, because um, your your bio is kind of you're not blowing your horn loud enough. So blow your horn some more. I just recently finished one with you at first. Um, it was like last time I did Judy Bonnie. Um, that was a two person ninety minute show, and it was a two two person show, and it was really amazing. And it was also a, a, like a West Coast premiere, never had been done. Oh, so oh oh you yeah. oh you were you were the uh, the pastor. Yes, we met. Yeah, I I know you. Yes. Yeah, I'm like, yes. and, and I always say, my daughter's middle name is the same as your first name. <laughs> oh, yes, Jasmine. We are, we are common. <laughs> oh, well, oh, I'm so happy to be talking to you again. Yes. Well, I, yeah, I love, yeah, that play was really Wow, that the you know that relationship between the two sisters. Oh my goodness, you know sister yes. friends and 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 then the poetry and you know bringing in the spirituality as well as the politics of being a black woman. You know, and hip hop yes. and and being yes. in this Ivy League institution that wants to crush you. I mean, it's right. like all that stuff was going on at the same time. Mm-hmm. A lot yeah, of themes. Mm-hmm. I loved it. I, it came out to be such a you know. It was ever working, so the it was always changing. So right. New script and new dialogue, and it was so. That's why I love that part about it because it was a collaborative effort. You know, the mm-hmm. playwright would come and see it, and he's like, "Okay, well, I want to change this about it." I'm like, "Oh, okay." Mm-hmm. So it was an interesting piece to work on, and like life, things are ever changing. So mm-hmm. that was right. right up our alley. It worked very well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then hearing hearing the backstories, you know, and you know when you all you and um your character and um yeah. and uh and uh Desi Soleil's character um mm-hmm. you know sort of being you know like coming back together um yeah 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 and and then you know sort of the the illness that happened you mm-hmm. know like there was actual physical um consequence you know right. to, that happened that separated you all I'm like wow and yeah yeah, yeah it was um quite interesting so so in the changes we're like getting off track here but what yeah, did, no. did you did you end up did you end up ever singing or um um because i it felt uh when it ended it's like oh it's over like okay yeah uh, yeah so it changed it changed the, the ending changed probably the most oh it did change oh super what yeah, happened so it did change um it ended up being we were at um her brother, who was murdered by the police, um, we ended up being at his memorial. The, the place that we were at the whole time was his memorial. Um, mm-hmm. Right. So this is what she had named after her brother in remembrance of her brother. So we were kind of ended in the garden, mm-hmm. and we were just kind of at peace with each other, and we were just talking. And, you know, I had this monologue about um, – it was basically like a spiritual – thing that had happened to me and I was like I don't know how to explain it but I know this person that I was so connected to will understand yes. so I shared this like spiritual moment with her and I was just like 
it just it was like my calling to be this politician and to be in this light and it wasn't for me you know I talked about I heard the people calling you know and mm-hmm. that's what made me become this politician this is what changed me in that moment right. I was always so against it when I was in my youth because I was like I'm seeing this all the time in my community right and I don't you know I don't want to deal with that that's been my life since I was growing up mm-hmm. and so then at the end it was like oh okay this is what I need to do and mm-hmm. all this stuff happened to me because I needed change and I and I've seen it firsthand so you know I know what I need to I know what change I need to see in my community mm-hmm. so it was just like this beautiful spiritual moment that they shared together that they you know if if they actually had conversations when her brother did get murdered mm-hmm. they probably would have had this conversation earlier but because mm-hmm. of you know her catatonic state they weren't able to discuss this Right, so beautiful like wrapping up of friendship, you know. Mm-hmm. She, um, the beautiful ending moments like Desi, I say all this stuff, and it's um, the lights are kind of going down, and Desi reaches her hand out to me. Mm, nice. So it's, just a, it's just a small little gesture that like pulled it all together, you know. That says mm-hmm. I'm here. Right. And that right. now, yeah, whatever whatever was, it's still here, and, mm-hmm. and this is how we connect. So it was it was really beautiful, and mm-hmm. the songs and the music. Yeah, we have the. I ended up rapping the whole song, so that song changed. Yeah. Oh, was, okay. It was a lot. Mm-hmm. Oh, good. Yeah, because I, cause I meant to come back, but then Cleavon didn't tell me to come back because I'm like, yeah. I mean, I wish somebody would have said, come back, Wanda, because I'm like, ooh, okay. Because I read it, and I'm like, oh, this is so rich. Oh, my God. What's it going to look like, right? And, you know, because I, and I was at, I was at, you know, where you all were doing the read-through, and I know that was just a version of it. Um, and I just love Cleavon's work because he's my colleague at Imperalta, and I met him at Contra Costa College, and I'm like, it's so cool that he's on sabbatical and he gets to write his play. Like, yeah, oh, how wonderful. And, right. and, and yeah, and so, and so I'm like, have all this anticipation. I'm like, I'm at opening night. I'm like, okay. Um, hmm. All right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It sounds, it sounds like, you know, the other iterations, particularly the con- conclusion, you know, at that point, that one would have been really satisfying for me emotionally yeah. uh, as, 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 as a person, you know, sort of consuming it in the audience, you know, like in participating. Cause you know, it's like, no intermission, and we're like, it's just two of you, you know, Sister Imani and her, you know, and your character, um, your friend, you know. What's your character's name, the politician? Um, my uh, politician, Adrian. Adrian, right, yeah. Yeah, Representative Flint, uh-huh. Yeah, and then, and then I, I just really, uh, I really loved, and then we'll talk more about the other thing. <laughs> but I, I really, I really loved, um, you know, I, I really thought that, uh, your character was coming from a real authentic place. You know, like she really was doing this for the community, and 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 you know, and uh, and her friend's um, brother, you know, that's community, and that was one of the reasons why you were doing the work too to stop, you know, the the, the massacre of black people. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and and you could do that with this kind of power, right? I mean, you know, right. and 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 you kind of like you were you were chosen. I mean, it wasn't like you auditioned for it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Yes, yeah, yeah, for the yeah for the position, yeah, yeah. You just you were available, and the people saw what you 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 know what your skills were and what your heart space looked like, and they were like, yeah, we want her to be the one. Yeah, and similarly, yeah. 
and that's basically what I was hearing, you know, from the people. I was like, mm-hmm. oh, this is what I need. Yeah. I have to go. They are calling me to do this. It's not, you know, mm-hmm. before I would have never thought about it. My character would have never thought about it. And mm-hmm. then I was like, no, this one thing. And, and how, and it's just interesting how one thing in your life like that can change you forever. Mm-hmm. You know, like how different ways, the different paths that we both took as our, as our characters is just amazing. Because it's like, yeah, both of them had something, something great to say. And it just depends on like where you fall fall in line with what you believe, you know, so it was about belief, and I love that part. I'm like, everybody has something different that they believe in. Everybody's going to think that they're right or that their thing is worth fighting for, and you should have that feeling. Mm-hmm. You know, you should have that feeling. Like you are, you are, whatever you're doing and manifesting that, it is worth fighting for, and oh, yeah. that everybody mm-hmm. else can see it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's so true. That's so true. So, yeah, you need to fix that bio. You could have just lifted the one out of um out of the one for you know um for Sister Al- Alberta Hunter, you know, or yeah. or you could just lift the lift the one out for Henrietta Lacks, or you know, like you got a whole bunch of bios floating around. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, Jasmine, you are phenomenal. Like you know, blow your horn, my dear sister. Yeah. So tell me about us in the U.S. Who who are you all? <laughs> so we are. I, I am like amazed at everything that's been going on with this group. So we have transformed numerous of times. Um, we did a show. We started off at called T.C. Ferguson. So there is no actual T.C. Ferguson, but that's symbolism for what mm-hmm. what happened in Ferguson. In Ferguson, excuse me. Yeah. Um, and we first did a show at East Bay, and it was like a smaller black box kind of show, and it was just showcasing these amazing pieces about people that are oppressed, and, and some of them were written by students, um, some of them were taken from other artists that we love, like we have a piece by an artist called Portia O, she's amazing, she does a piece called Capitalism, uh-huh. like you look it up online, it's so beautiful, and we've done that one, that the thing about the script is it, it changes every time. Uh-huh. First of all, what we, what we want the message to be. So Portia O's piece, Capitalism, has stayed in each rendition of the piece. Okay. So she is a beautiful, beautiful piece, and it's a poet, a poet, a poetic piece that we take and make a theater piece. Mm-hmm. Um, and each each piece is separate. So this one is called Us in the U.S., and we are all about shifting your conscious, uh, consciousness. Mm-hmm. So that is what our topic was. So okay. we, as a collaborative group, came together, and it's and it's, it's been pretty. The same group is, but it'll change. So we'll ask students like, "Oh, do you want to get involved in it? Mm-hmm. Um, what do you want to do for it?" And we actually, the one that we did at CSU at, at CSUB Bay went and competed in a competition, and we actually won an award. They actually won the award. I didn't go with them, but they won the award at Washington at the case. You're break you're breaking up again, Jasmine. So, um, okay. So let me tell you what I, I heard. You mentioned that. Um, well, I heard you say about the um, uh, Portia O does a piece called Capitalism, which has um, been a part of all of the different iterations. Yeah. So, so the original group uh, we were called TSUS, um, Cal State University of Ferguson, because of the. the oh. Um, mm-hmm. So there's actually no. Person, but we were, you know, that was the title of our original collective piece, and that's what was about. It was yes. about oppression that's going on, police brutality that's going on, mm-hmm. all of this stuff, and it's going to be collected into one full piece. Okay. Um, so that's mm-hmm. how it started. 
And then um, it continued. So that was the first rendition of it. And the second rendition, um, at East Bay, they do a fall and a winter show. So for mm-hmm. our fall show, um, our director, who's one of our professors, and Fahiron at East Bay, he took on C.C. Ferguson again. She's like, well, let's do it and let's do it on the main stage and let's put it up there and let more students join. You know, it was a, a collaborative piece and um, um, a devised piece. And at our school, most of the time, we're working on shows that aren't devised. You know, it's about Shakespeare and doing the shows that are already put together. But it was like, oh, let's have the students do something that is devised. So that was C.C. Ferguson. So, so make a, a program that that's what I'm missing the word is. Is oh, devise, a devised piece. A devised? D-I-V-I-S-E-D? Devised? Okay. Yes. Yes. So it was a devised piece, and we were, um, students could write pieces, and then we would read them over, see if they fit in. Mm-hmm. Um, it was also, what pieces do you connect to? Have you seen a piece, like, on YouTube or something that you like that you want to, that we can get the rights for and do those kind of pieces? Oh. So, but they were all about, yeah, so they were all about, um theater of the it was kind of about like so theater for social justice okay so theater for social change so any piece that was about how we overcome or what we're going through and how do we get to the other side of it okay so that's what most of the pieces are about and now this new one and mm-hmm. a lot of the pieces like i said transport over from cnc ferguson uh-huh. but now it's called us in the u.s because what we are focusing on with this production is about how we look in the united states who okay. are we what is what does our United States look like okay. now for us? And that is why we are a collective, we are a collective piece of all different races, all different ethnicities, gender, mm-hmm. sex. Everything is a, a cumulative of what we think, a cumulative, excuse me, of what we think our America looks like. So that's why it's us. Who are we? We're us in the U.S. What does our U.S. look like? Mm-hmm. So that's where the title comes from. Yeah, that is so uh, Jason Peel, like us. Yeah. 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 I mean, like, it is so, because cause when you look at Hands Across America in the in the film, right, and that really happened, that's everybody. But these are the people that you don't notice, the people that are underground, like, literally. And you just think about people that you know, are underhoused now. Mm-hmm. Um, a friend of mine was saying how, you know, she's got, she lives in Benicia, and she has a big backyard, and people are leaping across the fence from the freeway and coming into her backyard. And I'm thinking her backyard is not public property, right? Mm-hmm. It's, it's her backyard. And, and there's no, like, she doesn't have a near neighbor because the house where she was, where she lives, the neighbor moved out. So I'm yeah. like, and when she called the police because she thought she heard something, um, they, yeah, they gave her a fine because um, there was nobody there. <clears throat> oh, wow. Oh. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, it's wow. Displacement and you know, mm-hmm. people are not knowing where to go, and it's like who? It's just this is a lot of levels to everything. So that's what Jordan Peele was saying in his too. He's like, yeah, look at this. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna scare you guys, but it's all the truth, you know. It's that mm-hmm. it's scary, but it's like this is what's happening. So right. how do we address it? You know. Yeah, and and we are, you know, we are us. Us is we, you know. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, so, um, so are, is everyone, um, in, um, in us in the U.S., are, are you all like alum or currently at Cal State East Bay or? Yeah, so it's a oh. mixture. Um, 
so we have some of us that are alumni. Mm-hmm. Um, Miriam Orion, who is our um, is the director of the piece, she's an alumni. Mm-hmm. Um, she graduated from East Bay, and now she has like going on to get her master's and her doctorate, and she's just been head spearing, spearheading this for a long, long time. Mm-hmm. She's been her baby, and I'm helping kind of assist and direct along with um, Teresita mm-hmm. um, and Tyler, who are also assistant directing, and we're all alumni. Okay. So we, we're kind of it's it's a very much in the vein of um like a vagina monologue type thing where we kind of oh. get a collective you know like we're all yeah. together as a collective group of people and we say we want to do this piece we have pieces that we put together mm-hmm. and how can we make this a whole show so okay. we are like the the people that are on top and just kind of saying yeah we can do this we can do that mm-hmm. and everybody under us is like students which is beautiful because they have a chance to take over after we're gone. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, so that's they, awesome. Yeah. Yeah, so they will um they will take over it right after we're gone. They'll just say, Okay, oh I wanna do this and that and we just, and we just kinda keep it going. Mhm. Oh yeah. that's that's so, great. Yeah. Yeah, so it's a beautiful it's a it's a very communal and I'm when I was in school that's how it was. Mm-hmm. And so, um, I love coming back and seeing folks still there and just being able to, to be with the students is just amazing because they they, they learn yeah yeah it seems like cal city they have some really wonderful um programs in the theater arts because i know um daryl uh v jones you know he does the musical theater yeah. and now he's yeah. acting director of lorraine hansberry theater mm-hmm. uh, but i don't know the other other theater arts programs i mean this is you know new to me what you're talking about the devised um uh, piece um, and in this other, other, um, uh, I guess other program within the theater arts program. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So we, yeah. And it's, and it's been pretty fresh. Like, and, and Fahiman is one of the staff here and she's the one who really works with that kind of work, like devi- doing device work. So mm-hmm. she's, ever since, even when I was there, she, um, was the one that was always like, okay, let's do this, write your own work, create your own work, which is so amazing because mm-hmm. now graduating, that's the kind of work that I love to do. Right. You know, I've, I've I've been in work just like the the play that we were talking about. You know, that I just finished. It was it was Cleveland writing his own work, creating his own work. You know, mm-hmm. and right. doing new work is just like a part of what I love to do. And so doing this us in the U.S., I was like, oh, definitely. You know, mm-hmm. I whenever I can, because I don't always get to join, mm-hmm. but um, whenever I can, I do try to join in and 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 support them as much as they can because they're an amazing. Amazing mm-hmm. group of students, an amazing group of artists, and and like I said, some of the pieces mm-hmm. are pulled from other resources, but a lot of them are are written. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like a lot of them are written. Yeah, I'll tell you about my my favorite piece right now that we have, which is called um, "Write Myself Free." Mm, write it's myself free. Love the title. Yeah, it's just, yes, it's a beautiful piece um, that is, is in the middle, kind of like in the middle, beginning of our program, and it's mm-hmm. everybody, everybody, there's about. I want to say 10, 7 to 10 of the people in the cast that have all written a specific piece. Yeah. And it's about how they have written themselves free because oh. it's so important to do that. Yeah. And we all, and there's like the line, the tagline in the thing is, write myself free. And hmm. what, what, how did I write myself free? And my shifting consciousness came when, and it's a beautiful, it's just a beautiful way to like, to breathe in the piece because a lot of the pieces do hold a lot of heaviness. Mm-hmm. But that piece is just like, okay. Let's mm-hmm. breathe together, you know. Let's be here together and say we all went through this, but how do we write ourselves free? How do we get free? How do we get to the other side? Because that's what it's about, you know. Mm-hmm. 
Oh, yeah. that's that's wonderful. So, which um, did you write something um, um, in? I don't know in what iteration, the first, the second, or now? Did you write something original for for this particular um, performance? Personally, no. I did, I didn't write anything for this particular performance. But I've been. We have like um, writing. We'll have like writing workshops where we'll just come in together and we'll just have a day of writing and we'll share. So mm-hmm. I've shared pieces that I've written. Um, and it's so informative because, you know, you write stuff all the time, but to hear it out loud mm-hmm. is a whole different thing. And to get feedback from your peers is just amazing. So I've, I've, I've written stuff and I've shared it, but mm-hmm. if it doesn't fit technically with this show or, or we have like a time limit. So our show, mm-hmm. we have about a 90 minute show. Right. And what we like to do is we have a 20 minute uh, community circle. Mm. So that's what we like to do after every show because there's, it's so heavy that after we just want to, every time we've done this show, we've done it probably three times. We did it at East Bay twice. Then we did it at San Jose State University. Oh. And now we're bringing it. Yeah. So um, Miriam, who was talking about who's the director and the head of the, the um, head of us in the U.S., she gra- got her um, master's from San Jose State. Mm-hmm. So she had a um, hookup with them and they brought us in and we did it there as well. But every time after we have like this community circle that brings us back together mm-hmm. and just just lets us heal together, you know, because there's so much that you hear and you hear and you take in. Even when you do theater, it's just like, mm-hmm. how do we heal or how do we have the conversation and how do we explore things after it's mm-hmm. over? You know, we don't want right. to just leave. We don't want to just leave you like that. We want to say, okay, how are we working together as a community, mm-hmm. taking care of each other? Right. Yeah, so that's at the end, and it's beautiful. Hmm. Yeah. So, so it says that there's going to be it's going to be 75 minutes without an intermission. So, is this circle part of the 75 minutes? Because so, which means you'll have even less less time yeah. to perform. Mm-hmm. So right now we're working. Um, we have rehearsals like every Tuesday, Wednesdays, and Thursdays, mm-hmm. and we're working next week is our tech week. So we're kind of like kind of trimming everything now. So we're trying to make it making it a good enough time so that we can have an intermission or we don't want to have an intermission, but just so that we can breathe through it and it's not rushed, rushed, rushed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because there's some pieces, like I said, the Portia O piece that has been in con- constantly, so that piece is like, that opens the show. Um, and it's a longer piece, so we just want to say, okay, what do we need to keep? What do we need to take out? Because there's just so much good stuff, but it's also like, how do we form this so that it's, it's a piece of theater, but mm-hmm. it's also a poetic Right, yeah. So did did Miriam, did she um, know about the San Francisco International Arts Festival um, and this year's theme, The Path to Democracy? Is is she the reason why you all are presenting there uh, at Fort Mason Center? Okay. Yeah, she is. She um, signed us up. She saw it, and she was like, oh, okay, I'm thinking about doing this. And she, she signed our group up, told them what we were about, and they were like, right away, of course, mm-hmm. we would love for you guys to perform. Mm-hmm. Right. So yeah. She put it all together. Yeah. And it's kind of her last job. She's actually getting ready to go to um, Arizona State mm-hmm. University to get her doctorate. Oh, okay. In what? Yeah. Um. Oh, and I'm totally forgetting. It might be in. It's 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 somewhere in like criminal justice and and, and health with social work, I think. But I'm oh, not, okay. I'm not what the actual program is, but she she has her master's in criminal justice. So. Oh, wow, that's interesting. Mm-hmm. And but she's also. A, a playwright and a theater person, an actress. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. she was. Um, she was actually here 
my freshman year starting, so she was one of the reasons, her and another one of our um, fellow actors were one of the reasons that I got started in the theater program, but she was a theater major to start out with. Wow, really? And she went the way of criminal justice, yeah, because she was like, this is this is my path, and this is what I need to do. And mm-hmm. it's, like, it's so beautiful because it's like how you can connect that criminal justice and theater, you know? You can use that in your everyday life. It's like, how do I how do I communicate what I need to communicate through art and yeah. also get my goal across and say, this is what's going on right now. So it's just another way. Theater just opens up another way to, to do that. That's why we like to call it um, theater for social justice and social change. Oh, this is so crazy. Um, I mean, it's crazy good, though, because it's so funny. I started off this morning in conversation with, with Alma, um, uh, what's Alma's last name? Um, Robinson. And, um, and she is the executive director of California Lawyers for the Arts. And, uh, yeah, yeah. And, um, and, 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 you know, they're all about, um, well, one of the things they're all about is looking at how to, uh, well, actually they were, you know, along with the, um, uh, the, um, I'm trying to think the name of the organization, the, uh, the William, let me find the name just a second. Um, mm-hmm. William James Foundation, because because oh, California yeah. actually, at California actually they they stopped like it was it was it was like they stopped mm-hmm. they stopped funding arts programs in corrections and and so with um, California Lawyers and Arts, you know, in partnership with the William James Foundation. Um, mm-hmm. brought it back and um and and there's a conference coming up uh at cal state not cal state excuse me um santa clara university mm-hmm. and it's um let's see it's uh june twenty fourth through twenty eighth and it's uh and the theme is um reframing the landscape of justice and oh, and wow. so you know there's gonna be like all these arts you know, folks like Jimmy uh, Santiago Vaca, um, he's the artist in residence for the conference, as well wow. as uh, Beth uh, Bienvenue, uh, and and this is like all these fabulous people that are going to mm-hmm. be there that are practicing arts, like you know Damien and Leslie Carrier, Damien Brown and Leslie Carrier from the yeah. Ren- Ren Shakespeare Company, and, and you know, and and Damien. As it was, is a part of the, the theater first family as well. Yeah, I love Damien. Yeah, yeah. And so, and so we're talking about, you know, uh, Miriam and, and her going into, you know, sort of looking at, um, what is it, jurisprudence or looking at, what was her, uh, her major, her, yeah. um, I know it's, I definitely know it's with the criminal justice, like that, mm-hmm. that was a path that she was going towards. Yeah. I can't exactly remember what her, her PhD is going to be in. Yeah, like, yeah. Educational and social justice, like stuff like mm-hmm. that. But she's, oh, she's just an amazing and a force to be reckoned with. Like she knows so much and mm-hmm. she's so passionate about this. And mm-hmm. being her in a directing position is amazing. And she's always <laughs> directed it. She She's always like put these pieces, but she organizes it. Mm-hmm. Says, this will go. This will go good here, but it's very collaborative. So she'll ask us mm-hmm. as a cast, like, okay, what do you guys think about this? Should we add this here? We have music. There's dance. Mm, nice. There's, um, yeah, because it's you know that's about healing. You know, it's always been about that. Where it's like people that are, that are oppressed, you can never take away their art. You can never take away their music. You can never take away their dance. You know, like that is something that we use to get over things. You know, mm-hmm. so it's it's and it's powerful to bring that in as one. So we have a lot of 
spoken word and all those kind of things but also we had to get dance and music in there as well yeah and it's so interesting you know people who are oppressed people who are um do not necessarily have um have the power to control the narrative that you know sort of places them in certain kinds of situations you know uh theoretically that might you know most often uh it's not a real space but because they don't control you know, how they're being perceived or the national perception or the dominant perception, then, then there's this, you know, this, this phantom, which becomes the truth, but it's really a lie, lives. And they're right there saying, no, no, that's not me. And so the first thing that goes is, is the arts, like they take the arts out of the public schools where most of our people are, um, you know, um, and then I was just thinking going back to uh, when our ancestors Mm-hmm. arrived in this particular hemisphere, you know, in New Orleans, uh, you know, the only place where you could have the drum, but everywhere else it's at the drum. So like what? Yeah. You know, you take our art. You take our mm-hmm. our the way that we express ourselves and, yeah. and 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 that really you know, that is a way that that is the true enslavement, right? Mm-hmm. When you take away a person's tools toward being creative and, and that's what makes us human, our creativity. Yeah. So right away, similar, you know, going back to Jason, like brilliant man, right? Brilliant artist. <laughs> That's what happens to those people that are under the ground. Like they take, they're muted. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. They have no language. They have no language. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They have nothing. Yeah. It's like mm-hmm. what do you take away from these people? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And remember how the first thing, like when they take the girl to the therapist, um, you know, when the family, the mother and father finally get their child back, and I'm like, what did I learn from that movie? Do not ever let my children get out, my grandchild get out of my sight. Like, if he goes here, I go too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, but the girl wanders off, and when she comes back, she's a different child, literally. And and so they take her to the therapist, and, she, and so they get her into dance. That becomes her, her expression, movement. Yep. Yeah, 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 and the music. Mm-hmm. to learn through that. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's so interesting. Yeah, wow. This is so, this is so, like, multi-level and, and, and deep. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it's amazing. And, and it, Miriam writes, too, like, she'll write some of the pieces. She's mm-hmm. got, like, pieces in there. And mm-hmm. everybody just is, it's, it's very collaborative and it's very fulfilling. Yeah, you know, it sounds kind of really beautiful. You know, we're, we're healed. We're healing ourselves in this process. Mm-hmm. Saying, okay, let's take these words that we, we need to get out there for ourselves and put it out there. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, mm-hmm. big, it's bigger than us when we do this kind of people. Bigger than us when we do that. It's mm-hmm. the whole U.S., you know. It's everybody in the world that yeah. needs to heal this and needs to be there, you know. Right. You know, it would be really cool if, because um, I, know, I know at the festival this year um, there are, uh, there are panels. There, I think there are writing workshops because I know uh, Jimmy Santiago. No, that's that's going to be at the conference. But yeah, so I'm thinking, wow, it would be really super if there could have been uh, an experiential workshop uh, showing the audience who's interested how how you do this. Like you know, you yeah. mentioned how like you know you have um, what is it um, uh, something about healing uh, no no write myself free and yeah and that's that's like a refrain and you all are like you have all you know written about writing yourself free and so like as 
as a person is sharing, and then I guess you all say as a chorus, you know, write myself free, maybe, I don't know. Um, mm-hmm. But I think I'm like, wow, that'd be so cool, because a lot of people know the vagina monologues. Um, yeah. You know, that is definitely a part of our our, mm-hmm. our social, political, creative fabric here in this nation, right. you know, what we Ensler did. And then later on, you know, coming back, you know, talking about, um, you know, um, you know, sexual violence against women and girls, um, mm-hmm. looking at, you know, Valentine's Day will never be the same, ever, ever, ever right. again. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then looking at, you know, violence against women, you know, in war, war you know, like rape as, as um, a tool of oppression and, you know, looking at what's happening in, in um, Central Africa, uh, looking at um, the uh, Congo specifically, you know, and thinking about how, how, you know, that Colton sort of pushes and continues to push, you know, mm-hmm. the human rights violations and particularly the violation of women that's happening in, in these war, war-driven war kind of economies that are benefiting the West. And so, mm-hmm. like, and so, like, you know, you all are doing it. Like, this is, this is the discourse. But people yeah. don't necessarily know how to have, like, you could, we could do something like this. Like, we could have a community theater, you know, group yeah. that we get together and have salons where we, we talk about a particular topic and we, and we perform it for each other. <laughs> Which would yeah. be kind of cool, right? Right. Yeah. It's very, it's very communal. And that's the beautiful thing about it. It's like, and anybody can join. We did have auditions this year. Oh, really? Yeah, we had auditions and it was very, yeah, I I wasn't there, but they did actually have like a general auditions on campus. They just put flyers up around campus Mm -hmm. because it's about inviting those people that, that don't even know that they, that they, that they are an actor or an artist. It's not even about that. It's about coming in and do you have a story? Do you have Mm -hmm. something that you need to get out? Do you want to be a part of this group? Yeah, it's very inclusive. Mm-hmm. Very inclusive. Everybody is welcome. All of your stories are welcome. Just come in. It's very communal. You know, you can sit in. You can just just be there with us, and and however you want to contribute to this piece is how we will receive it. Mm-hmm. You know, that's what I love about it. It's like whatever you have to contribute. It doesn't have to, you know, because some people come and they're like, "Well, I'm not a writer, and I'm not this." And I'm like, "Well, what do you what do you want to contribute?" Oh, well, mm-hmm. I can. I can do costumes, or I can do this, or I can dance, and I can, you know, so it's whatever you want to bring, mm-hmm. and as a community, that's what us as a, as a community, you'll receive that. Oh, nice, nice, wow. Oh, that's really great. Well, I definitely want to meet, um, I want to meet Miriam, so you're oh, going to she's amazing, yeah. Yeah, yeah, you're going to have to um, email me the names of, of the, uh, there were like, Three of you all, like the core mm-hmm. core folks. Yeah, you know me, your name. So I mean, I have your name, but the other two, um, so that I can, um, you know, um, make sure that I call their name, and um, when I write something uh, as well, you know, give folks credit. Wow, this is so awesome. Do you all have a website or something? We do. I can send you the. Um, I can send you the link to ours. So it's all through the San Francisco International Arts Fest website, but we have like a backslash us in the U.S. And it's something else so that when you click on that one, it goes straight to our page. Okay, yeah, because I've because I've oh yeah, because I've been looking at um, the uh, uh, San Francisco. Oh, there it is. I didn't know it was live. Duh. Oh yes. Let's see. Yeah. Well, let's see. Where? Let's see. Um. Okay. Oh yeah, there it is. I see Miriam uh, Araya's director and producer. Um. And I see uh, 
a little video, a taste of CSU Ferguson. But I'm looking. Um, I don't see your website here, though. Um, so we, don't have a web, we don't have a website currently. What we have is we are networking through Instagram, and we do oh. have a Facebook page. Oh, you do? Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay, send me that. Oh, you know, um, it, it's interesting. On the website, it says 90 minutes, and then I saw someone else that said 75. Okay. Okay, cool. Yeah. 75. Yeah, we're, so it's about that, a 90 minutes total with the 20 minute talk back. Oh, good, good. Oh, this yeah, is going to be so yeah, awesome. We're not get the time down to it, but yeah. Yeah, so Friday the 24th, which is uh, next Friday, uh, 7, mm-hmm. and then Sunday, May 26th at 6.30. So just two performances? Just the two performances. Oh, wow, wow. Yeah. yeah. And all of our performances have been success. The one we did at CSU, I think it was just this last, this previous, the fall before, mm-hmm. and that one was, um, uh, that one was a longest performance. It had about five performances in. Oh. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, this is great. Yeah, in this picture you all have um have a a garbage bag um mm-hmm. that I think someone is opening. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Or I think that was from the original. I'm pretty sure if that was not from the last one, it was definitely from the original one. Okay. Yeah. So the bag gets opened. Yeah. Or 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 the bag being closed. I actually can't remember. <laughs> yeah. 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 That was probably the first rendition of it. Okay. Yeah. You're you're not in this picture, um, mm-hmm. but um, yeah. So I mean, she could the woman could be opening the bag, or she be she could be closing the bag. It looks like a person could be in that bag. <laughs> <laughs> a little person. <laughs> oh, that's funny! Wow, 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 Jasmine! I'm so excited and looking forward to um, seeing this. It's so funny! I know you. That's good. I love your work. You are such a phenomenal actor. I mean, every like like you transform, you know, the character. I mean, I just, um, I just loved, um, you know, um, you know, Henrietta uh, Lacks. You know that particular work. That was so awesome. My goodness. That was really, really awesome. And then your Alberta Hunter. Oh my God. You know, like, woof. <laughs> yeah, that one was a little, the, little bit of the characters. Yeah, that was, I love that show. Um, mm-hmm. the Blues. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was really, really great. Wow. So where are you showing up next after this? So people can put you in there, put it in their books. <laughs> I'm actually um, still in process auditioning for Seth. So no, nowhere officially yet. Um, possibly I might get Crowded Fire. Um, oh, okay. Mm-hmm. So I'm waiting to hear back from them. And then I'm going to New York, actually, for a summer program. Oh, I'm nice. I'm excited. Yeah, I'm super excited about that. It just, um, But trying to audition still for Seth in the Bay Area, just kind of get out there and do a little bit more. But I mm-hmm. love it, I know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's great, New York. That sounds fun. So, will you be performing there um, in in New York at? Um, so it's it's a dual theater program. It's called the um, Black Arts Institute. Oh. Through, yeah, it's a sector through Stella Adler. It's pretty new, mm-hmm. and it's about the Black Arts Movement. Oh. So it's a, yeah, and I'm really excited. It's a five a five week intensive program. So I'll be out there for a full month, and I'll just be going to school. I'm like going to their program. Monday mm-hmm. through Friday, and just kind of immersing myself in what I want to do as an artist, and and that's what I you know found out doing these 
devised work in these plays that are, are collaborative is that I want to create my own work and how do I get there and mm-hmm. what kind of work do I want to create so the Black Arts Institute like perfectly aligned with everything that I want to do like my mission statement as an artist like who what is the work I want to create and, and, mm-hmm. and what I need to learn in order to keep going forward you know mm-hmm. oh that's it I'm excited oh yeah well that's great congratulations so um do you do you have a website I do not have an official website yet I'm still working on it that's one of my <laughs> but I um I have my headshot and resume that I kind of send around, and I'm on Instagram and Facebook and stuff like that, but not an official website yet. Not yet. Okay. All righty. Wow. Yeah. Well, I look forward to seeing you, um, you know, in this wonderful work, um, us in the U.S., and thank you so much for this great conversation. You know, we have an opportunity to catch up again. Thank you. Yeah, I'm glad. (laughs) Makes the rainy day a little bit brighter. Yeah, yeah. Well, I hope you stay dry, and uh, yeah. yeah. And um, yeah, much much success on on your rehearsals and you know um, preparing for um, this great uh, world premiere of Shifts in Consciousness. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. <laughs> you're Bye. welcome. Good to hear from you. All right, you take care. Okay, okay. bye bye. So um, that was um, Jasmine. Williams, and uh, she was talking about shifts in consciousness um, work, new work, um, us in the U.S. And I want to mention, I almost forgot, ODC Theater, um, which Andrew mentioned, um, he was the executive director of their 2019 uh, walking, what's it called, walking distance dance festival, which started on the 12th last Sunday. It concludes this week, and there are a couple of of um, of uh, works that look really interesting. Um, the uh, the USC uh, Gloria Kaufman School of Dance um, is uh, doing Monger by Barack Marshall, and that's um, tonight, the 17th at 7 p.m. and and then on Saturday and Sunday, uh, there's another work, uh, D. Sabella Grimes, uh, Electro Ginus. And that's uh, the 18th at 3 and 7.30 p.m., which is tomorrow, and on Sunday, the 19th at 7.30 p.m. Um, the uh, the work looks really interesting. And you can uh, look up the Walking Distance Dance Festival. Both these works um, feature people of African descent. Um, uh, Isabella Grimes is a black woman, um, a black person, and, uh, and her work, um, there are, Black people and a lot of the others, but these two sort of jump out at me. Uh, and, and CD, uh, Sabella Grimes is a 2014 United States Artist Rockefeller Fellow, and she's a transmedia storyteller, sonic archivist, movement composer who cultivates a devoted interest in the physical, metaphysical edifices of Afrobicutus uh, life practices. Um, his current uh, creative project, Electrogynous, articulates that black gender spectrums are infinite, multidimensional, and distinct manifestations of womb-universal. Womb, womb, womb I love these words. Oh, my gosh. Womb-universal consciousness. Sabella loves pancakes, speculative fiction, and his kinfolk. Um, and through a synthesis of ancient Afrofuturistic soundscapes, video projection, and kinetic poetics, 
Electrogenus uh, circulates speculative realities that counter historically imposed notions of femininity and masculinity, imagining the inclusion of liberated black bodies at the center of the works now. Electrogenus renders a dynamic testament to the multiple worlds that black people simultaneously inhabit. Well, that looks really interesting. Um, So that is tomorrow, two shows, and Sunday. And then again, the USC Gloria Kaufman School of Dance Monger. That looks really interesting. The choreographer, Barack Marshall, is the former house choreographer choreographer of the Bat Shiva Dance Company and one of Israel's most celebrated dance artists. Munger tells the story of a group of servants trapped in the basement of the house of an abusive mistress. Combining elements of gypsy, Balkan with classical and rock music, this physical theater piece explores the dynamics of hierarchy, power, free will, and the compromises one makes in order to survive. Munger premiered in 2008 at the Suzanne Delal Center and opened the 2008 International Tel Aviv Dance Festival. So, and this particular company is at the University of Southern California and it was established in 2012 through a transformative grant, transformative gift by Gloria Kaufman. So anyway, this looks really interesting. And all of the information is, um, you can visit ODC dot dance or call four one five eight six three nine eight two four. Thank you so much uh for joining me for another edition of Wanda's Picks and I don't think we're gonna be able to get to um Abdul Kenyatta's um interview because I think we are out of time. So next week um we will we will continue our exploration of the 2019 uh, San Francisco International Arts Festival uh, beginning next Thursday and extending through June 2nd. All righty. Peace and blessings, everybody. <laughs>